Welcome everybody to Platchat Valorant, episode 120. And I'm joined here by some, some friends, huh? Bren is here, Bala is here, Kurt is, uh, you know, doing the production. And even, if you can believe it, Sideshow's here. He Wilkinson made it somewhat on time, yep. The Ludwig private jet just touched yeah. down in Kent and he went straight <laughs> onto the podcast. <laughs> and uh, he made it. Uh, only, mm, only somewhat late today. How late are we talking? Ten minutes. I mean, well, not, no, I, no, not 10 minutes, but it was, it was actually less than that. It was maybe it like was five, I was here five six minutes. minutes. Five minutes? I was yeah. five, five minutes late. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But he also we'll showed up with big minutes. ideas. One but. minute before the show is supposed to start. Yep. Hey guys, can we add some things to the run of show? <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we, also, can we change how the show kind of looks? Can, actually, can you make it change wider? Can you make visuals? it wider? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, this is a fluid show, isn't it? I thought you'd just be able to pivot on the fly. I, you could I do it yourself if you had the OBS virtual cam. On the fly. Yeah, I don't have that. No, that's beyond me. You don't have I, the I technology. Have it's not available to you. Okay. No. no, no. All right. I'm okay, Wilkinson. Well, I can't do Strike this show. Strike two. With I can't do this show. Strike two, Wilkinson. <laughs> I'm telling you, at some point this year, Strike I two. can't do this show with Wilkinson anymore. By the way, viewers, boy, do we have a show for you? I'm oh, taking. I'm shit. taking a look at the docket, and we it's got packed. We got all types yep. of stuff to talk about. Um, what it? What is happening? What is going B on? Bala is just in black and white uh, right now. He's gone back to the... <laughs> this is how the world looked in the 30s. <laughs> this looks like someone has taken... Why does it actually have tubes, too? That's yeah, you have funny. tubes. It's like someone's taken like a close-up shot of like a CCTV camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... Oh, when there goes Ballin. You, you, you told him about OBS Virtual Cam, and he just decided to create his own... <laughs> his Why? Own Isn't this fine? Hold on. Let me cook, okay? okay Hold up. You, you Let cook. me cook. For the audio listeners, <laughs> Ball's be, Ball being a goofy guy right now. Yeah, Ball is, Ball is being a silly little guy right now, if you're listening. There's a lot of whimsy flowing. Um, but yeah, boy, do we have a show for you. And honestly, I kind of just... Well, hold on. So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are, we're going to talk about the Ludwig Tarek Invitational. And the first topic of, of that, I was thinking like, you guys were there. Let me ask the behind the scenes questions. Mm. Get the secret info for the people. Yep. Okay. But also, I thought maybe if there was like a funny story or something, maybe that would be the time. <laughs> but I've heard rumblings, something that happened at dinner. <laughs> yep. And no, that was I can't help myself. I want more details In now. the moment, quite horrifying. Okay. Quite, <laughs> quite, quite worrying, in fact, yeah. you know? Well, but, Wyatt, let me, uh, before we'd even, you know, sat down for dinner, we were talking to Bren just about how he remembers things. You know, me and Barla <laughs> were talking about like, oh, do you remember this wet, crazy clutch that happened? Do you remember this map? And, you know, because we've watched a lot of Valorant, it sticks in our head. And Bren was like, I just can't recall any of these moments unless my fight or flight instinct has kicked in. <laughs> and so I, I said to him, well, next time we're talking about Valorant then, I'll activate your fight or flight instinct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I did at dinner. Not intentionally, but I did accidentally. And now it's imprinted in his head forever. Memory. This event is burned into my retinas forever. I can picture it yeah. in perfect detail. Crisp fucking 8K resolution detail. Okay. We went, always... we went to Hot Pot, Wyatt. We went uh -huh. to Hot Pot and, uh, you know, met up with Jack, who commentates the Overwatch League. Yep. And I was sat there and, you know, oh, eating, eating a hot pot with a chopstick. And I thought, oh, you know, some of the corners just got cooked. Let, let me be a silly little devil and eat one piece of corn at a time with my chopsticks. Someone said something funny. 
don't know what it was can't remember that particularly and i laughed i went <coughs> and just started choking and realized that it was quite serious you know about five seconds in oh still haven't taken another breath and you look around the water. table and people are just you know still laughing like oh it's you know quite funny to see your friend choking to death and then jack reached over and went like this just, just pat, patted me pat. on the shoulder, yep. didn't do a thing. And uh, I was coughing and coughing and spluttering and to the point where I threw up. <laughs> I just straight up, I just threw up in the middle of the hot pot restaurant, oh, all into my no. hands. Because I was <laughs> trying to catch it. <laughs> uh, shall I do a demonstration? Like a it, it, was, no. it was a bit like this. <laughs> it was, it was fucking... It was burnt into my memory now, this this one particular moment. I mean, that is because it just horrific. went from like, oh, Wilkinson's causing a scene and again. Yeah, the, yeah, classic in the restaurant. Wilkinson. Yep. And to just <laughs> looking just looking over at Josh, just yeah. vomit in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just and it's just oh, like oh Jesus Christ. God. And obviously, immediately like, oh my god, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I just joked. <laughs> <laughs> Who started laughing first? Uh, th there wasn't laughter for a while. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. but I had to break the tension somehow. Yep. So I decided a little quip I threw in there, and I'm quite proud a of this. Quip? <laughs> what did you say? He saved the night. I the night. saved the night because it was quite <laughs> awkward, you know, at this moment. Josh yeah. had almost just died at the table. Yeah. And I went, well, that's not going to put me off my food. And then just. <laughs> Took a I bite mean, of the Marvel headass <laughs> quote. <laughs> that took a bite out of the corn, <laughs> the corn that just caused so much pain, and uh, uh, and then the night went on. It was a night of, of you know good Whoa. company and revelry. So, revelry, yeah. dude. That's all. That's a that's a funny story. Me not being there and not having to witness it and just hearing about it later, <laughs> I think it's quite funny. But I'm glad that mm. uh, I'm glad you got the corn out of there. But you I'm did. Glad you, uh, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad triggered okay, Josh. the the fight or flight response in my brain. Because that yeah. is, it's burned into my mind now. I can't remember most of the games I've casted ever. Right. I can remember that Josh throwing up in his well, hands. Well, I mean, yeah, that is seeing, <laughs> if I saw Josh throw up in his hands in the middle of a hot pot <laughs> restaurant, I would, I mean, that is significantly more memorable than like Optic versus TRX. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just... A far more memorable moment. Uh, so that makes... I'm glad you're okay, Josh. A lot of sense. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just going to start choking on various different solid no, foods what while did you, cast. What did you say to the <laughs> wait staff? How did you... Did they they didn't did even you, notice. Like, they didn't Dude, even... They tried no, to no, steal they our fucking credit cards. <laughs> wait, did, they? You, did you just... You just left them... <laughs> you just like... You just left them a, a secret surprise <laughs> mess to clean up. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because no, when, when the cleanup operation occurred, Jack is a good friend. He immediately yeah. got up and went to go search for some paper good towels. Man. Me, I just sat there being like, well, other people are handling it. You know, Josh is a big lad. He's gone to the bathroom. He's cleaning yeah. himself up. It's all right. But I like look over and the, the wait staff is like, <laughs> like around the corner. Just industry. like holding paper towels, but unsure whether to go around the corner. Right. Because they, I don't know, maybe they just wanted to like, oh, you know, it's like a bit of an embarrassing moment. Maybe we don't want to confront the man who's just thrown up in his hands, you know? I don't know. But they were hesitant. There was like, they were trying to like, 
dodging Duke around the corner for a little bit. So they did notice, they just didn't say anything. Okay. I well, caught it all. I didn't make a mess. Caught it all. Yeah. <laughs> I caught I caught every last little, little drop that went into the broth, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There we was, that yeah, there was a couple quick, of bits though. in the broth, but, <laughs> but that was that was already boiling, so there's no bacteria in there. It's yeah, probably sure, fine. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, now that we just uh, lost half of our viewership because of a nasty fucking story. <laughs> hey, viewers, boy, do we have a show for you today. <laughs> boy, boy, didn't th these other podcasts wouldn't give you 10 minutes no. on Josh puking at a restaurant. <laughs> other podcasts. Dude, I'm Oh boy, let me take a look at the runner show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, there's a, I mean, no, but seriously, there's a lot to talk about, so let's get cracking. Uh, first of all, listen, I thought the big news of the week was going to be Drama Wednesday, but it's not. The big news got topped by bigger news because the Sao Paulo format got released, mm -hmm. and I've been seeing all types of takes. Anger, excitement. Yeah. That's mostly the two, actually. Yeah, <laughs> mostly the first one, I think. Uh -huh. Now, I want to start this off because I think I might have, the un I might have an uncommon take. And I'm going to give it on this format, which, by the way, let me set the stage, actually. for So if, if, you, haven't, uh, if you haven't been tapped in to, to Twitter or Reddit or whatever, the format for this lock-in first tournament of the year in Sao Paulo, there were 30 teams. Now there are 32 because they added... Two teams from China, since the game is released there now. EEG and uh, FPX are going to be there. So now there are an even 32 teams, and the format that they've now announced off the back of that is just a full 32-team March Madness-style bracket, all BO3s, all single elimination, just a, a huge bracket. Um, Fuck yeah. Let's I, go. Oh, you're with me. Okay, because I was going to say, Fuck I yeah. wanted to start this off and then pass the ball to you guys. But I think it's fucking awesome. I saw this and was more excited for the tournament. Mm. I, I think this is going to be more fun to watch. I don't think every tournament needs to be, oh, let's, let's have a triple lower bracket with all BO5 so we can really make sure that Rex, Regem, Keon are not the best team here. Let's really give them <laughs> 14 chances to show it. Like, I don't need to see that. Uh, this I think this is going to be really fun to watch. And it's going to be fun to watch. Okay. But that, that's, I mean, they've made that their clear intention is that they're focusing on the, uh, the fan experience. A lot of people are upset, though, still. A lot of the fans are being like, well, the fan experience is like, we want to see, you know, um, the, a couple of things being suggested, like the Swiss, a Swiss-style Swiss system where you have, you know, like rotating BO1s within groups. I think CS does a lot of this at their majors where they have... Um, you know, a lot of matches being played to try and finalize like maybe a top 16 going into like a double double limb bracket, things like that, which would be excellent for like the competitive integrity side and ensures like you have all those teams, but requires a lot of time, which um, I guess they didn't have in Valorant. This is Leo as well. The uh, I believe he's just the head of Valorant Esports at this point now. Um, and he's just explaining, you know, they went through a bunch of formats, um, but they're prioritizing essentially um, viewership, essentially. It's the, it's the viewer kind of experience right where yeah. um you're not splitting games up over a course of like a round robin or a swiss style system in groups you're not running multiple streams you're just literally showing one game at a time he also said though in a, a different tweet too that if they if they decided to run a swiss system it's either bo1s or a way longer tournament and it's already a really long tournament it's like four weeks of 
play or something, mm-hmm. which some of the teams are arriving a bit later than others. But you've got to remember that teams are coming in like a week before they have to play their game, which already some of the teams are complaining about, right? Because you might have to fly in a week earlier just to play one BO3. But even if you did a, a Swiss system, the, you're only guaranteeing like three BO1s or... If you want to guarantee that each of the Swiss systems is BO3, then you're playing like a massively longer tournament, like like far too long to make any sense. So the people arguing for Swiss are also arguing for BO1. And to me, that's not an argument. You can't, you can't justify BO1s in this game, I don't think, with MR12 and a new map in the pool. I just don't think that BO1 would make anybody feel better about that. I, I, I get that people like Swiss, and I do as well, but I feel much more strongly about not using BO1s than I do about not using single limb. I, I don't disagree with that, but I think the part of the reason why people love Swiss so much is that it allows you to get through the variance of best of ones in a mm-hmm. format that gives you the variance within the teams that you're playing and not necessarily in a series. Uh, but but I'm not going to disagree. I think BO1s are shit. I think we should be sticking to best of threes as like the main way to play because I think anything else is kind of uh, changing the entirety of the game essentially. But um, my take is this fucking sucks in my opinion because I, I, and I'm a big fan of single elim in general. I think honestly it's like the best playoff format um, because it is exciting. It is good for fans and you can really, really easily follow. But um, when it's uh, one out of three international tournaments that we're going to get this year, it's really, really bad because you want to see as many diverse international matchups as possible. So we're going from three international tournaments with pretty decent formats in general to one that's kind of a throwaway, which I do like throwaway formats every once in a while, but it's one out of three, and that sucks ass to me. And there's a bunch of other considerations too, um, especially how the way it's split between the two sides of the bracket. I really, really hate that, that even though it's a a good cost cost-saving things and like it helps with content and whatnot it's so bad because teams are flying in later and they're not going to be part of the practice ecosystem in a new meta and also one side of the bracket gets a whole fucking break like 10 days or mm-hmm. something like that after they play after they get to the semifinals and that's just yeah, that's, weird that's really weird but the actual concept of just splitting it in two is just playing one side of the bracket then the other side of the bracket right it, yes they're yes. explaining it as groups but really you can just think about this as a 32 team bracket where one one side plays then the other side plays it's not really a like new format that they're bringing it's it is just march madness they're just scheduling it differently what what is this fucking circles right it's kind of confusing but i like the way they've done it i'm not gonna lie it looks like fucking roulette it looks like you just it looks like they should spin the wheel every time and you find out who you match up against if they decided to do that shit that 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 would pop off i i think i don't know i quite like the way they formatted this personally like it not not you like the incomprehensible circles. It looks yes. like a Mayan calendar that you're I supposed like, to I like decipher I like this. and find I like out that the world ends after lock-in. You're fitting all the info in and you can clearly see like, okay, these what are the teams that are going to be... You Tell can see the teams just, here. Just you can see the teams. As okay. long as you know the logos by names. That's it. You gotta know the logos. You as long as I know the fucking information beforehand. Yeah, but this graphic logos. doesn't even tell you who's playing who, does it? It looks good. Yeah, yeah it, does. it does. They're right next to oh, each other. Oh, it's the teams that are next to each other. It's the arrows, I didn't even fam. understand that because of the way that it's put together. 
Okay. Yeah, and then, but, just, but then I, I like, I want, as the tournament goes on, but get, okay. I want them to fill in those little, you know, the little, the little box there. I want them to fill it yeah. in. Oh, I'm sure they will. As the tournament goes on. Okay. Okay. Fills it all in. Oh, this is genuinely the first time I've understood what this graphic even means. I get it now. I actually get it. So you, you go in a step when you win. So you're like yeah. trying to get to the center. It's just letting out primal screams behind us. The, this the, graphic the, is this so easy make any to sense. understand, Josh. It, is. Holy it doesn't understand. make any sense. I think at a glance, it's... Yeah, I, I immediately it's, understood it's what it was. extremely uncom... I didn't understand what it just was Just use first. a fucking I just see a second of critical thinking. <laughs> Like, no, I refuse to. No. I refuse no, to spend even one of my on. brain cells. Literally, a, it's a bracket, bro. Literally, yes, you fucking see everything instantly. We are Valorant. We're not giving them ten. We're not giving them ten minutes on the graphic. Okay, we're not okay. giving them ten minutes on the graphic. Okay. To go All back right, to you, Bala's point cooking, about them <laughs> with the scheduling in itself, because in case, just to repeat it as well, the the way they're playing it is the alpha side of the bracket where all the sigmas are they're playing fucking they're yeah. playing t for two weeks i think or two weekends a week, yeah, a week. A week. and then yeah, they're gonna play the other side of the bracket and start that so there's been some criticisms about that i think sean posted a tweet about it being like you know it's uh the, the criticisms being that you know there's been meta developments teams get to actually watch the other side of the competition see what they're doing on certain maps see what they're you know they're playing like they can prep ahead of time as well and take from that information and then play their matches obviously those games are separate until they then play in the uh, in the semis, which is I think the third weekend um, of it. But it's that is also my biggest criticism currently of that format, and it's it's clear that they've done it. I think in some side of things because of it's a, a cost saving measure, right? Like you have to imagine that where you're only flying out sixteen of the teams for the first week, you're going to be whittled down to two at the end of that week because it's the single limb bracket. You're you're going to be able to say to you know whatever hotel you're, you're speaking to. I don't know exactly how this works, but I imagine it's something along the lines of we need X amount of rooms. This is the max end, this is the low end, whatever. And it means that they don't have to hire for the very beginning of the tournament enough rooms for 32 teams, which I think would save right. a lot of the cost, which, right? You can. It's, it's a lot. I mean, you're talking it's, it's a practice lot rooms. Cost. You're talking logistically getting teams around. You're talking not having to do content for... 32 teams at a time, you're making it for 16 teams at a time instead. Like, it's, yeah. it, there is a lot of cost okay. consideration. Let me give you the layman's counterpoint. Billion dollar company. <laughs> What's your yeah. response to that? Um, every organization and company involved in esports is mm -hmm. closing the purse strings at the moment because of just the incoming recession. So some idea of just trying yeah. to still that's put on cool tournaments like this. down to 70 themes. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the fucking the joke fucking... I saw was on there. <laughs> but, on. but I think it's... It, there needs to be a balance between hosting a really cool tournament and also trying to make it as sustainable as possible without also affecting the product. Um, and I, I don't know. It's a difficult call, personally. I'm not. I'm not happy with the format. But am I going to let it affect my enjoyment of watching it? Not. Not really. I think it's. It is an exciting concept having 32 teams, and I'm not just saying that because listen, Riot, please hire me. <laughs> you know, like whoa. Yeah. It's. It is a cool. It's a cool concept. You know, it's hype coming into it, and it's a bit of. It's a bit showcasey where you got you know a bunch of new teams that we don't really know much about. Sucks for a lot of the teams that you know are going to be flying in essentially for one best of three, but. If I'm an org as well coming into this, I would be making the most of this because one of the things that you could get going here is if you just stay local in the area, trying to set up and get actual good practice before your split begins up. Because I'm not going to lie, yeah. certain teams have <coughs> been doing yeah. that. T1 was doing that in NA. Um, didn't help them. T yeah, I mean, it point. hasn't been helping hey, them. Didn't help them. I mean, point, but T1 have been trying to do that in NA. Them. 
Yeah. What you say, Josh? It probably did help them. I mean, that might, that I, might be the peak team one that you just watched. I don't, I don't want to think be, about that reality. This might be the better look of them. But, um, but yeah. th that's my, this is my point. It's like a lot of these teams complaining about the BO3 when maybe we should just be looking at it as like an opening show match. Yes, of course they want to win. Yes, there's you know a lot on the line because the, uh, the winning team gets their region an extra slot at the upcoming Masters event. But um, trying to make the most of it, I think, and staying out there and getting good practice if you are one of the low-end teams that's going to be going out in the first round could be really beneficial i think especially if you yeah. consider some of the apac teams i think the competition in apac i would say apac probably looks like overall pound for pound the weaker region out of the other two compared to like emea and the americas so if you're an apac team going out in the first round it's a great opportunity i would say to just stay out there you know get some practice against the teams that are actually going deep in the tournament that are going to be staying there for sure also i, f I think from for for the uh for the orgs uh f from their standpoint i feel like this is a good this is good for them um it's going to be good for viewership as well like the a lot of the games because people if there was a swiss system people like just run have multiple streams have multiple casts yeah. with multiple streams bro those b streams it, with some of these teams are going to get no viewers no viewers it, like if i'm if i'm one of these lower tier teams because you have to remember there's 32 teams masters is going to have 12 right mm -hmm. so 20 of these teams are not going to be at the next lan um and most of them here are would would not be getting any viewership if there are multiple streams or anything at all like you know they're giving i think it's good that every team is going to have a chance to have a bo3 on the main stage with all of the viewers to see each team at length in a bo3 at least once um because for most yeah. of these teams if they were in a, if it was swiss they wouldn't be getting watched on the secondary streams and in the future they're not going to be at the events yeah so i think from that standpoint I think it's good I think the other part too is that they have no intention of changing the Masters or Champions formats to be like this, right? This isn't like you're setting a bad precedent. It's just a one-off fun tournament that is kind of designed to produce different results. Yeah, Some of the teams sense. have not really scrimmed very much. I mean, we saw Sentinels playing at the Derek uh, Ludwig uh, tournament where, you know, they clearly haven't spent very much time together. You're not coming into this event expecting the teams to exactly stack up like this for the rest of the year. I think that would be a ludicrous um, expectation for anyone to come in with, where, you know, the, the winner of this is going to be the winner of champions and the teams that are bad are going to stay bad all year. It's just not going to work like that. It's the first game of the uh, first event of the year. So I think leaning into a format that promotes this level of, like, upset results, like the classic March Madness stuff of you can never predict the bracket. It's always crazy. There's going to be someone bonkers that ends up winning it. And you have to take every result with like a grain of salt of, you know, the upsets are going to happen. And having that community narrative about like, okay, did the best team go out actually in like the round of eight or the round of 16 or something like those are, those are actually fun discussions to have too. You don't have to have a format where it's just, you know, the, the results are the, the results are the top 10 teams in the world. And there is no arguing about it. I, I think to have some flavor at the beginning of the year is a fun way of doing things. The only thing that I dislike about it, actually, or not the only thing, but um, does this, does winning this give you some kind of like extra spot in Tokyo or something for your region? Yeah, the your region, region gets an extra team gets to... See, I, I, think, I think that's pretty fucked because the whole point of this to me is that it's like, a, it's a bit more of a showcase. It's an upset format, that kind of thing. But then you're rewarding the winner as if it is a really in-depth tournament that justifies having a big result in the next yeah, one. So I don't think that makes sense. But you kind of have to do that because then you don't have a second international tournament to 
decide who goes to champions. Like, Invite the Chinese teams again. What? <laughs> for just, Tokyo, just... right? It's about extra spots in Tokyo, is it not? Not champions. Um, yes, yes yeah, but yeah. That, that influences champions in a kind of grand scheme way, right? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, but, yeah. but if you're just looking at making the format better for Tokyo, I mean, bring the Chinese teams back again and have them unofficially involved all year long. Well, I think that'd be sick. I think they might do that on top of the extra spot, no? I don't know how that would work with it, because if you think it... I don't know. How would you do it? How many well, teams not, would you invite? It's not an extra spot. It's, it's, there's 10 teams at Masters Tokyo, and three teams from each league are qualifying. And then there's an extra spot from whatever region, so basically top four from whoever wins um, yeah. Brazil. It's not a guaranteed spot. It's, uh, it's just an extra... You get the extra buffer for that region, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um... Kurt it, had some I of the tweets both... on, on screens. So, yeah, I was go just going to say, I kind of want to look at like what, what people are saying, and I want to see yeah. where your thoughts are. Okay. What is your response to these arguments? Fly to Brazil, have no info on the other team, because it's the first matches with new meta, and it's single elimination. What an absolute shit tournament to kick <laughs> off the year, says Chet. How do you guys feel about that? What's your thoughts, I mean, Brent? I, think... I mean, he's right. Like, fucking, yeah. sorry, Brent. Um, no, 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 go no, ahead. No, ball, spit your face. Uh, it's, it's a completely new meta with a new two new maps. Not Split is not new, but Lotus is going to be in the pool. I mean, it's cra It's it's insane uh, to, to expect these teams to be able to pull out anything cool. I mean, all the harbor play that's, that people are risking right now and practicing in scrims, I think, is going to go out the window. I think any anybody who's playing Lotus is probably trolling at a, at a single limb best of three tournament with no groups. Like you don't have any any time to test what is going to be actually good and what the consensus is on the meta at all. So I mean he's right, but at the same time, everything else that we say is also valid. It sucks for the players. I, I mean I think yeah. everybody agrees with that. I think any the alternative and teams have a good reason to complain um, with the format, right? Just because the from their perspective, it's like wow, that's a lot of flying, a lot of travel. Um, uh, when you could, you know, spend a lot of that time instead actually prepping for the split itself or whatever else they're thinking about it from a purely competitive standpoint which i think is understandable that a lot of them are angry but but i think you've got to always consider like what's the alternative here and i think the most reasonable alternative that was actually considered is some kind of like bo1 swiss system and i'm not sure that that really addresses chet's concerns again where you're, you're again going into a new meta and you're playing bo1s do you well, you don't know what map it's going to be on. You have like huge amounts of variety just in that sense. So I'm not sure playing three BO1s actually you can control it any better than one BO3. Can you? I mean, uh, the the way that the, the the reason why everybody, especially the guys who come from CS, are super unhappy is because they have a valid format that works in in CS, and it requires two streams. And it requires you to right. run Swiss, yeah. which is a lot more games, but it's just what they're used to, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Because they yeah, have constantly the streams. thirty-two yeah. teams at their majors, so yeah. the the multiple streams is the is the obvious one. And am I and and I'm totally in favor of that. I know other people aren't, but to me, like I I think it's okay in group stages when you're just trying to f figure out the seating because you in order to actually run a valid single limb tournament. You need seeding, and the only way to do that when you don't know any of the teams and you don't know any of the quality and you don't have repetitive international competition to determine it is by running groups. So, like, sure, maybe the groups were getting overwhelmed and the viewers are all over the place, but at least we're getting the seeding, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. You don't have to watch yeah. every match. You just don't. Yeah, I think that's valid. But I, 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 
anything what Chet said is is valid too. I, th I just when I'm still thinking about it, I I just as a viewer, I am just more interested and I am more excited to watch this personally. I, I just the the high stakes for every match and the high stakes yeah. for every moment and every player mistake is just going to make it extremely interesting. Yeah. If this Tense were all the way through. if this were a bunch of Swiss games, I I, I just I just would not something. be interested in watching a million Swiss games yeah. and a million teams. Well, that's that's what Bala yeah, just said. Yeah, but that's said, fine. Right? He, you don't have to, have to watch groups. Yeah, just yeah. wait for playoffs. It's single limb. It's going to be just as fucking popping. Like, and and I think that comes down to like a clear difference in what Riot are going for. I mean, the Leo was saying that they were trying to put the audience perspective first and foremost, rather than the competitive integrity or like player perspective first and foremost. Because I mean, Bala's option with multiple streams is definitely better for the for the pros. But yes. I, I do think that you end up just overwhelming viewers with like you literally can't watch all the games because the, you know you'd have to spend twice as long watching all the vods and then. Yeah. It's it's not humanly well. I suppose it is humanly possible because you just have to stay up twice as long. But it's not it's not realistic to expect teams to uh, to watch every game. I suppose you just follow like the teams from your region but, or the teams you're the biggest but, fan of or something. I, I mean, I think as well that the people forget like when when a game is shit, anyways, people are going to turn it off. Like you don't have to like that's my point about not watching every every game in groups. Like if a game is shit, you just move on, watch the other. You don't have to watch every single one. You just watch the best ones. Um, yeah. and that, that is definitely a viable thing for, especially the viewers that are hardcore. And obviously you're not catering to hardcore viewers all the time, but I mean, it's, it's that, or you're going against the competitive integrity, which, yeah. And I'd be happy to see a tournament like that. If they do another big tournament, mm -hmm. big in, 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 you know, size of team, the amount of teams there rather, I would absolutely like to see that in the future, but I'm totally cool with seeing this March madness crazy ass bracket tournament as a one-off thing i think it'll mm -hmm. just be awesome as a one-off thing this okay you know, it's well, not I'm gonna ask like you guys i said this. it's I'm not a precedent that has to be set yeah here. it's y'all need to uh, at the end of the year we'll come back and, and see if we actually got enough fucking international matches to be happy with because i'm gonna tell you right now yeah. we're gonna be fucking hungry at the end of the year we're gonna be yeah, so I think hungry that's, i think that's super possible just because there's no second masters event this year i think yeah i think you're completely right because yeah, it, this really is just a one-off event, but it's taken the spot of a full Masters event. Right, right. Okay, well, I feel, I feel like, does anyone else have anything? I mean, there's really. a big topic, but I feel like we kind of covered the, the basis yeah. here. Are just we, a final say, are we like talking rides? about the Chinese teams? Oh, yeah, I guess we could yeah, talk about them briefly. I mean, do you have anything you really want to say? I mean, it's cool that they're there. It's cool that they got just, invited. Uh, but just a little bit, because... I, I feel like oh. since um, people might only know of EDG because they played at Champions, EDG have actually made a couple of roster changes and it seems like it's hurt their team a little bit because they are now probably the second best team in China rather than being the best. They've lost quite a number of matches recently. I think people will remember this team as like pounding their way through the, uh, what was it called, East Asia LCQ. They didn't drop a map. They absolutely smoked everybody that was there. And then kind of since then, they've made a couple of uh, changes. So they they were playing with um, nobody Um who they've now taken out of the roster. Um, although, actually, it looks like they were playing with him most recently, too. So maybe they've got a bit of a rotation going or something. But they were, for a while there, they were playing with... Um, with uh, So they, they full-time replaced Smoggy for Life. So Life was their Jet player who, if you remember back to Champions, he wasn't able to play the first game. So Smoggy had to come in, and it made yeah. their whole system a, a little bit wonky. So Smoggy's come in to full-time replace Life. And then 
they had a period of time where they weren't playing with nobody instead they're playing with this guy abo and that really surprised me because nobody's sick but actually i'm looking at the most recent games that i haven't had a chance to watch yet and uh it looks like he's back in for the team so maybe that was a, a short-term thing but while they've been kind of figuring out their roster this fpx squad who fpx have now full-time committed to this org is now gonna be a chinese organization since the release of uh, the game in china uh this team is now I would consider them based on the results the the best team uh out there in the in the chinese circuit um and they've been competing for quite some time um but they weren't really able to break through like most people were looking at um tales of eastern with edward and uh maybe enter or something but these guys are these guys are really strong and they're on a bit of a heater at the moment um haven't had a chance to catch the games and like figure out who the stars are or anything like that but i definitely i'm interested in taking a look at them because Anyone who's consistently beaten EDG, even if they're, you know, looking a little more wobbly, it's got to be a fairly decent team that has some upset chances. This has been the Wilkinson Report. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> debate. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Live from China. Thank yeah. you, Josh. Underground of China. And then I'll watch some VODs and I'll be able to tell you actually what's going on. <laughs> now he's going to drink his peanut butter. Yeah, his little soup. His <laughs> little puree soup. soup. <laughs> a bowl of peanut butter. <laughs> hey, I mean, it doesn't fucking surprise me after the fucking... Uh, dude, I don't know. They're going to have crazy stuff in Kent. What's going on? Is Kent a terrible place? I saw a meme no, that was so like... No, it's so rich. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very rich. I yeah. saw him. Oh, okay. So it does make sense to you. That's where you live. All right. No, 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 I'm, no. The, I'm in the opposite end of the country from the Kent. bourgeoisie. <laughs> I mean, um, if you look to the, I'm going to look up, right? So you don't have to wait for me, but I'm going to yeah. look up the average yeah. income in Kent and then the average income where I'm from. And there's going to be a yeah. gulf. Josh has come in and single-handedly brought up the average income <laughs> by <laughs> several, several bands. This Many is when Josh realizes yeah. he's out of touch. Yeah. Josh, <laughs> did you get the Royce to pick you up today or the, or the Rover when you, when you landed? <laughs> when the PJ touchdown. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, the average salary in Kent is twelve percent lower than the average. So that's. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I thought Kent, I thought, I thought uh, Kent was a fairly well-off place. I think some parts Apparently, of people are, are yeah. poor in Kent. Yeah, but it's probably like um, Gloucester, Gloucester, and Gloucestershire. I guess maybe I don't know. Like, because um, the county itself has a lot of rich people that have like country homes in the mm. Cotswolds, and then. Yeah. Gloucester itself yeah. is just a shithole. So. I, I saw a meme came across my timeline that was like, stop complaining about your life. There are literally people that live in Kent. <laughs> <And> I, <was laughs> like, I don't know what that means, but I just, what? it stuck with me. Um, <laughs> all right, it's Drama Wednesday time. Yay. We're going to talk Heck about yeah. this. We have to listen. We have two Sentinels topics today. Holy. We get to talk about old Sentinels, new Sentinels. We're bringing in the viewership. Um, let me set the stage. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me set the stage. Here's my plan for this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to give all the info what's going on. I'm going to pass it off to you guys. And then I want to ISO the play. Okay. <laughs> because I have, I actually have a lot I want to say. Okay. That is going to drive this conversation into the next portion. The next level. I'm taking this podcast to the next level. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't, okay. I, uh, uh -huh. So, all right. I kind of want to go back mm. a little bit. If you remember early in the year, maybe end of last of, uh, you know, end of 2021, even, um, yeah. you know, when Sentinels started slipping, they had that bad performance at Berlin. And then they had, you know, depending on your POV, also a bad performance at champions or a subpar performance. Um, and then, you know, early into last year, they started off really rough. They were automatically in the, uh, you know, that, that 
the, in the top 12 teams. Mm -hmm. They're automatically placed there for the first stage. They had a really rough showing. They ended up getting rid of Zoms. They brought in Ken Pecky. There was that whole stretch of time where they didn't have a coach or any staff. Um, and then they played through the qualifying bracket in the second stage of the NAVCT, where they were, again, looking shaky. And they made it into the, the group again with the six teams. Mm -hmm. They did terribly. Um, but being there both times, then they got into LCQ. And then it was around LCQ time that they finally decided to get staff. And they also brought in Shroud and Zelsus to the team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's when you did the... That was when the, the moment the, happened. The moment <laughs> happened. That they had the a Shroud moment. moment. Um, and they did okay at LCQ. I mean, they were better at LCQ than they had been previously in the year. Though, you know, how much of a step up was that? Really? Sure. I don't know. Um, but they did decently at, at LCQ, for sure. Um, and then after that, you know, their year was over. Certainly lackluster for a team that was once the undisputed best team in the game. The most, I mean, still the most iconic team in Valorant up until this point. And then in the fall... The organization blows things up. They bring in Psycho, Kaplan, new coaches to restructure everything. Um, they were considering possibly keeping some of the old players, at least that was like their perspective, didn't end up happening outside of 10s. Mm -hmm. um, and then they bring in four new players. And then there was a moment where Shazam, from his point of view, found out that he was no longer on the team because of a George Geds article that got posted while he was streaming. Um, and Kurt has the, the clip of that up right now. So that's how he ended up finding out that he was not going to be on the yeah. team um, to, to a certainty. And then there was a bit of a, a response from Sentinels from that where they were like, well, it was just, you know, it was unfortunate. It was bad timing um, with this article coming out. And then after that, they, they posted a, a tweet to kind of try and curry some favor <laughs> where they yeah. were like oh it's the sentinels hall of fame <laughs> shazam they're gonna build a shazam statue out of bronze he's gonna be in the sentinels office next to booga um <laughs> and they, they post this tweet and then you know kind of silence as far as like what's going to be happening competitively with with shaz's career up until the g2 announcement um and now here we are mm. Early 2023. Early 2023. Sentinels, they're creating content with this new team. Uh -huh. um, they're keeping the, you know, they're, they're sticking to their brand of, you know, bantery trash talk, uh, which, you know, something that Psycho, who's in this video with the infamous wheel, is definitely partial to. That mm -hmm. was definitely his, his vibe on Exet. He was not afraid to, to banter and kind of you know, be, be the villain. Um, so they post this video where they spin the wheel, joking about that being their 2021 strats, that all their strats were bad and they lost, um, which is true. <laughs> they, they were not good in the previous year. That is a fact. Or in 2022, rather, sorry. So that, yeah, that, that is a fact. They were not good. And then in response to that, Sam posted a... He posted a, a, a tweet that lit up, <laughs> I mean, it lit up the streets. Geez, what um, a great Christ. tweet. He said... What a great tweet. Oh, yeah. One time I spun the wheel and it landed on, please play with Shroud. We don't care if you win, just make it hype. 
We will personally guarantee you a spot in franchising if you do. Sendles then responded, there's no way that would fit on the wheel. <laughs> I fucking love I mean, that. Also a great funny response. That is a funny, funny response. That did, is did a anyone, funny did response. Did anyone ratio that? Because <laughs> Shanks tried and failed. <laughs> I think someone, uh, Rosa got him with the fucking ratio. Get smoked, Sentinel social media person. <laughs> Shanks is in disbelief that he doesn't have the pull that Rosa does on Twitter. <laughs> Why couldn't I ratio him? <laughs> And then TSM <laughs> assisted the ratio. Okay, uh -huh. we're getting into now. Yeah, we're going we're to the weeds here. I'm we're setting the weeds. So Let me set the stage. <laughs> the, the, the stage. Is, I, I think I this, set, okay. I think I've set the stage. But then this is like the prologue wait, to wait, Doom. But then, uh, listen, I'm, I'm giving all the fucking details yep, yep, yep. out here. Okay, um, and then the uh, CEO Rob Moore's uh -huh. CEO of Sandals then responded to that. And uh, basically saying that, he said, uh, at Shazam, it's weird that since you left, all you talk about is how you want to be with the organization. When for all of 2022, you behaved like you didn't want to be here. It seems like you've returned to the focus you had in 2021. If so, G2 will be in great hands. Mm. Which, uh, a fucking aggressive. L response, honestly. Large L response for that one. Doesn't address any of the claims that Shaz is making or talk about it at all. Just talks about the fact, just gives Shaz a backhanded compliment about you didn't really uh, seem like you wanted to be here. You didn't really demonstrate loyalty during 2022. It, yeah. it, does, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. I, he also says, sorry, Josh, let me just read this yeah, out. Go on. Do you believe everything that people post on Twitter? He also found out while streaming that he wasn't being offered a new contact from at George C. Ged. Did you believe that also? Lol. Yeah. Thoughts, Brent? <laughs> I... Should I read this also? Yeah, read this next one. <laughs> read this next one. Because I haven't seen this. fired back. Are you actually going to deny promising me a spot if I did you this quote-unquote huge favor? You can own up to it and do better. Don't lie to your players. Best of luck to you and your new team. I like how they're, they're both firing, but then they both have to be kind of nice. And they're like, Wait, what? you'll be great next year. And then he just says, I did. Rob Moore responds, I did not. Okay. Okay. Before I say things about my opinions, I'm just setting the stage. What are your thoughts, Brent? I, I want to have a little rotation. Dude, I mean, clearly Shaz feels hard done by here. But if there's one thing I've learned in esports, it's like, don't trust anything until you get it on paper. And so... I listen. I don't. I don't doubt the claim. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> don't Go trust on. anything unless it's on paper, which some of us here know something about. But uh, yeah, the uh, so I uh, Shaz clearly feels very hard done by. Which I think I'm trying to put myself in Shaz's shoes. Right, I'm a driven individual. We're in a team. It's yeah. early days in the e in the ecosystem. There's not too much in terms of the way of coaches. The teams play a run. It does very well. Blah blah blah. Um, but you're joining Sentinels as well, which is notorious for being quite hands-off in terms of their esports division. Like they don't, they're quite hands-off and they don't really have people taking charge in terms of the direction of things until obviously, I think coming around this year where they picked up, you know, the core coaching staff of Xset with, with um, you know, Don and, uh, and Kaplan. But in the past, they've, they've been very hands-off across multiple games um, that they've ran. I think that's the way they like to run it. They focus entirely on clout first, view, you know, the views, the clout, because that's how they're selling jerseys. That's how they're making money. Um, and so I think Shaz, I don't blame him if he was going through 2022 with a sense of apathy about feeling like, you know, if he wants to put work in and wants to actually try, if he feels like, you know, he's 
essentially playing for an org that doesn't want to support him because it definitely read like that. I think when you just watch Sentinels and seeing these interactions and stuff, there's a foot of an iPad making its making its return. <laughs> Fucking excellent. <laughs> excellent <laughs> stuff. He rumble responded <laughs> on the, the iPad, iPad. A Twitter for iPad. Uh, oh, I'm so glad that's... When you deny their thing. allegations via iPad. I mean, that is I just heinous. I don't get this tweet yeah. from... Rob Moore is saying, I did not. Is he saying that he did not personally say to Shaz that he was promised a spot? Like, what Presumably. is... That's what is, I get, but I could definitely see it be read into the other way because he was like, are you denying this? And he's like, double negative. Yeah, it's I like very not. vague. It's so vague. Like, Rob Moore has gone to the school of corporate PR. I mean, this guy is... He's When, when you see the PR statements released, you know, it's like... Leaves a lot of ambiguity. I learned it recently. Yeah, that one. That. Yeah, that that word. But I think I think there's more to this story that we will never really know until we dig deeper. And uh, but it's I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's elements of truth to either side of of things because I mean this is just I don't know. It's the the original tweet that Sentinels posted is. A shitty tweet to go for in the first place because it can be really funny if you're self-deprecating after you've been the clout team, right? Like if you're the clout team and you fail and all your fans are like roasting you, then it can be really funny to do something like this where you're roasting yourself. But this isn't roasting someone that's still with the team. This isn't roasting the organization. This is roasting your old IGL. It really is. It might feel like it's supposed to be self-deprecating because it's Sentinels roasting Sentinels, but they just let go of the guy that's in charge of their strats. It's literally just a roast of Shaz, basically. There's yeah. no there's no other right. way of taking that particularly. So I don't think that it works as like a self-deprecating cool tweet. Um, so I can see why Shaz would get pissed at it. The other thing too is, I don't think that Shaz... If, if Rob did say or anyone behind the Sentinels, that Shaz would have a spot if they played with Shroud or something. That is a fucking stupid thing to say and a stupid thing to believe because there is no world where that's big enough just accepting to play with Shroud for a small period of time. is not going to bring the same results next year from what they can go and get from other people or by doing it again or something. It has no tangible value. You just agreeing to play with someone for one tournament. It, it, it's not valuable enough to lock you in for an entire year. So it doesn't make sense. It's the kind of thing that I could imagine uh, uh, somebody in the suit saying as a throwaway comment and then realizing afterwards, oh, fuck, shouldn't have really said that because we're not going to hold to it at yeah. all. Um, but I, I just don't think that it would have... I, I can't really believe that Shaz, after his long time in esports, would have seriously thought that he could hold them to that either. Uh, unless this was something that had been long-term discussed and, uh, you know, they'd... They sat down and they were, you know, saying in multiple meetings that they were definitely still looking to be with him next year. That kind of thing. I, I just don't think one, one, you know, tit for tat, you do me a favor and I'll bring you on next year. That isn't the way that a big organization is going to work heading into a partnership system. It's just a bit naive to think that they would. That doesn't mean that it was right for them to say that, if indeed they did. But I think it's very naive to believe that that would be the case. Also, I think that uh, while you're right about, like, it's very hard to take the, the wheel joke uh, any other way, I still don't believe that they had, like, super malintents. Like, I think they were trying to be self-deprecating, but it's just they didn't realize, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And I also think that Shazam, well, yeah, he clapped back in a pretty, uh, you know, he's actually stating potential things. I also think that he's mostly bantering there. Like, uh, if you watch his stream, like, 
you'll know you'll he's just like yeah man i was i was just going back at it i think rob moore added so much fucking fire to like yeah what was potentially a pretty fucking uh silly situation in the first place um but i don't think it would have gotten i, I think it would just probably gone down as banter in the first place in my opinion and i think sentinels by the way that the social media team responded as well didn't mean it to be bad towards shazam even though it was no i yeah. don't think they I, meant it okay i don't okay i don't think they meant it to be a bad thing i think they just thought well oh, this will be funny let's just post this and get mm -hmm. their their only mission was to get likes and retweets yeah 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 okay? yeah definitely but impressions I think that this, it's, it's also, this isn't a case where it's, I don't think it's like just this tweet is like, is posted and then Shazam feels the need to take it to 11 and, and smoke them over this tweet. Yeah. I think that it's, this is like a death from a thousand cuts kind of thing. Where I think there's just been a lot of little things over the past year and a half that have culminated in they posted one last thing that tipped it over the edge and Shazam felt the need to vocalize this. Um, and I think that if you go back and, and, and look at where Sentinels were at this entire year, it's also, you know, it, it's a bit ridiculous in, in, it's a bit ridiculous for Sentinels to be posing this in the way that they're criticizing Shazam given that Shazam was the bedrock of your org's success. Like, the question that I wanted to take this, this topic into was, did Sen make these players, or did the players make Sen? Because that team took Sen to the top of, of esports orgs. That Valorant team. And as far as I know, in the building of it, it was literally, yo, Zoms, can you put together a team? And then Zoms put together yeah. the best team in the game. And the crux of it being the best team in the game was Shazam being a madman for the yeah. first year and a half. He's one of the biggest content creators. He's the best IGL. He was fragging out of control. He was doing everything for the team that had no staff for years. And also, the Sentinels brand... Like, I, I remember Sentinels in Fortnite, and, like, they, they didn't have... They weren't, like, hitting as, like, a brand like they are now. No. It, they, the, the, the turning point for them as an org was not only did they sign this team, they literally walked into just getting a team that ended up being the best team, also having crazy personalities that people loved. Like, Sentinels banters like this, and they do all this trash talking because of the attitude of people like Dapper and Zoms and what they were doing in the game and on their own personal socials. Like, Dapper's, I'm going to teabag everyone energy for the first year is what has actually, like, yeah. given Sentinels this identity. Like, that team, their personalities and their success pushed them to the top. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think, without a doubt. And if you look at this past year... What have Sentinels really done for them? Or even for their org's sake, for them? Like, if you go back to the beginning of the year, them and 100 Thieves were pretty much in the same spot. They were both player-run teams, and the players were fucking it up at that point. And really early in the year, 100 Thieves did 
changed that. And they went away from being a player-run team. Sentinels could have done that at any point. Yeah. Also, for a while, it seemed like the players really did want to bring in Raucus as a coach. And then Sentinels never bought him out. They never made it happen. There was rumors they were going to get Kaplan yeah. last year. Never made it happen. They never brought in staff. They never tried to change the status quo. They never did anything from the org point of view to make the roster perform better. Did they ever run a boot camp even? Yeah. Because as far as I remember, Sentinels and C9 essentially had no boot camping or like time together at the same time as the guard was like in the same venue for months on end, yes. improving and improving Cl and improving. Cloud9 did. I remember they were all in the dark room together. Right, okay. But, but Sentinels didn't until LCQ. Exactly. So th the org could have stepped in and done things to make the team better at many different points in that last year. And they didn't do that. Yeah. Also, listen, the players were not doing as well. They were having a really rough year. Um, and it's very possible that some of that could have been burnout. I mean, I think it's super likely that a lot of that was, at least from yeah, Shan's point can... of view, burnout. But so then you're, you're they're, they're, they're floundering for the first six months. It gets to LCQ. Finally, Sentinels make changes to bring in staff. And then if... If this is if it's true that they just said, "Yo, we'll guarantee you a spot if you play with Shroud," because we know it's going to be hype, we know we're going to pull insane viewership. This is going to like shut down the esports scene. Everyone is going to be talking about this and tuning into this. Uh, again, they're not doing that with intentions of making the team as good as possible. Like there are obviously other players they could have gone for instead of Shroud. Um, so it just, I understand why this whole stretch of time led to yeah the boiling this point, boiling right? point yeah yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's my i can hard point. empathize with shaz i think as well because i mean it, i've never been a pro player so i don't know from this perspective where, where shaz is coming from but i've been in a similar situation i think with um being part of the overwatch league you're commentating you're going into it into the years and as years were going on resources getting pulled back budget gets pulled back you come into it you know fresh every year with new content ideas new new things that you want to put forward ways to elevate the product you know, stuff that, that makes you care. Um, and then you get told, like, you, the, the general sense of where it's like, either you're talking to a, a brick wall or there's a general sense of apathy on the org side. Sentinels have always given off that feeling of like, they, they've left it in the player's hands entirely. And so I don't blame, you know, Shaz if, you know, what, what <laughs> Rob's coming back at him uh, yeah, Shroud is just catching strays through this entire oh, thing, by Shroud. the way, as well. He did pretty well, too. We, yeah, he, he did pretty well. He did pretty well. He tried his... But he, when, he did pretty Rob's well in the context of being a content creator, which was why everyone was surprised that he was on the team to begin with, yeah. you know? That's like... And when, when Rob's giving this backhanded compliment, being like, wow, you clearly have to, you know, the, the drive or whatever it is, the, you know, the energy that you had in 2021 instead of what you brought us for 2022 like i don't i don't bl if that even if that's true i don't blame shaz for that being the case you know if you feel like you're essentially you know working with an org that doesn't want you to to excel that isn't making the same moves that you see around you uh you got to take all of this with a big grain of salt on either side because you know it's a lot of you know he said she said at this point on on both sides of things but i, I can definitely understand shaz's point of view yeah i i when now that you guys are talking about all this, it, it boggles my mind that uh, as a as an org owner, you could be happy with having one of the most successful players of all time in terms of content creation, in terms of fucking playing, in terms of eye gelling, of all the stuff that Wyatt said, and be happy 
with having a sour relationship with that rather than putting all of your efforts to making sure that that guy does not burn out, that that guy continues to be a shining light for the next few years for your org. That to me is crazy that that's like okay for him, right? Even, even yeah. now to like be throwing, throwing bobs at him or whatever, like deliberately yeah. stoking a shitty relationship with still one of the biggest streamers in Valorant and someone that's going to be, you know, playing maybe competing against you in the future if, you know, G2 gets into Ascension or someone decides to take a chance on him or whatever. Like, that, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, man. No. Yeah, it and, was very weird. Yeah, there's just so many weird little things. Yeah, and then, like, the, the day after that, then, Sentinels, I saw they announced their, their new Halo team. Mm. They didn't initially, I don't know why, they initially don't, they didn't post the announcement on their actual account. They had one of their staff announce it on their account. And then the CEO quote tweets that and makes it a subtweet to Shazam about Shroud. Wait, I didn't see Announcing this, a new what? Halo team. <laughs> and it's like, it's just so, it's just so crazy to me. Welcome to Sendles. If you support Shroud, it'll be a good run. Quote tweeting <laughs> the announcement that wasn't posted on the Sentinels account for their new Halo team that they then announced like six hours later on their main account. Because I think, I don't know, people were like, why didn't you announce this on your main so, account? They need to take the keys away from Rob Moore's Twitter. They need to take the keys <laughs> so out corny. and don't give them back to him. Because I feel like Rob's got this idea that he's got the same like grit and edge as the social media people have managed to, you know, hone over the last couple of years. And instead, it's just, I mean, it's just a train wreck whenever I'm looking at it. It's just... You, you you hire staff to do the the stuff the PR stuff for a reason. Just don't tweet. Just don't tweet. Yeah, and mm -hmm. also, you're not Zoms and Dapper and the guys that made your brand that and the the draw that it is. Like they're just yeah, just trying to adapt the personalities of these guys that seriously push them to the top of esports like they by the numbers they were the most engaged with org if like 20 yeah. was it 2021 or 2022 uh, i think it was 2021 i remember Probably we looked back at that Probably, yeah. yeah it's like i don't know it's crazy to me i uh, so basically yeah i just i understand where the frustration comes from even though it's, it's a bunch of little things but i i understand how that builds up and mm -hmm. and super frustrating and orgs just drive me crazy but <laughs> hell yeah. That's stick to that's fine. Like that. That's stick to good. those. That's fine. Post to stick to posting that. Uh, but but okay. post that, but say Twitter for iPad, and then that's just great. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That is just great. All right, I'm going to take us to greener pastures. Okay, the Ludwig Derek Invitational was fucking awesome. This is great. That tournament to me was like it brought back the feeling I had watching the Ignition series, mm. which I still holds a place in my heart as one of the most entertaining times to watch Valorant. I love tuning into the weekend tournament and it felt like that. But I wanted, I just, I want you guys to give me all the behind the scenes info. What was going on? It was just what's dope. It, what's you, you, act, like? you act like this fucking behind the scenes. Bro, we were, on, we were on the couch the entire time. Just yeah. like, literally on yeah. There really wasn't much behind the scenes stuff, but it was just, it was one of my favorite events I've ever worked because it was the, the old school feel of like, very casual, very laid-back esports events. The production was was dope, pretty much across the board. Um, it was just it was just sweet. It was laid back. Like I have never worked an event as well. This is this is such a silly thing that people won't care about. But holy shit, I've worked so many events with just like no. The, the green room is like 
two chairs and a, and a tiny TV where yeah. you get to watch the games in the meantime. But the, the entire studio setup beyond the summit running this with, with mogul moves, these guys need to be given more events in the future, I think, for the offseason, honestly. And if, if Riot can facilitate that, Riot did a lot of facilitating. Like, for example, the fact that the entire thing was played on LAN is awesome. But honestly, start, dude, make this a staple every year of, of something to look forward to because the event was dope. People loved it. It was great engagement. You had people from, you know, the outside scene bridging it. You know, Tarek's obviously quite ingrained, but then Ludwig actually being a huge part of it as well. The, the whole thing uh, from top to bottom was was great. I Someone asked me like on my stream, like, what, what would you rate this out of 10 for the event? I gave them like a nine. I said, like, it would only be better, I think, if there was more teams and it was longer, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the format, the way that it was run, I mean, it was smooth. There were no real breaks. They had a great system because it was relying on the infrastructure set there by um, Beyond the Summit, who were, you know, well drilled at this point and being able to make everything work. And then uh, the, everything was on the actual LAN servers, which is sick. Um, you got like a good crop of teams there too. And just, you know, people that understand trying to create a chill vibe. It was, yeah, it was very nice. It made me want to take that kind of vibe and apply it much more heavily to a lot of the like group stages of tournaments or, or maybe not the Masters tournaments necessarily, but stuff like, um, you know, group stages of, uh, of, of the just regular splits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the league kind of stuff. I think that there's a lot more opportunity to relax the vibe a lot more. Yeah. Um, which weirdly, I think, speaking of this, I think that LCS is trying something, probably not anywhere near as as chilled as this is, but LCS are doing something away from the standard sports format for next mm -hmm. year. I'm not exactly sure what, but they've, you know, one of the reasons they they released Dash is that they're trying to create less of like a heavy sports vibe. It might end up being a bit more like this, where it's more of more conversational between the the people that they have on the show. Um, but I, I would quite like this if this was like a general trend for, um, for, for games that don't have the same level of stakes attached to them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, how was your experience? I mean, it's just, I was just hanging out with a bunch of friends, like <laughs> just a bunch of people that I really, really fucking like. And it just makes it super easy. Like um, Mimi was great. I mean, Ludwig was great. That guy's hilarious. Just a normal ass yeah, dude, but is. fucking funny. Um, Tarek was also really cool. I mean, like he was adding so much to, to the commentary in general. Mm -hmm. And we had like seven people on the couch, all providing input, and it sounded fine. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty like, wild. It, it really did sound good. It never yeah. felt jumbled. We had a good um, how many people group of people though as well? Because I think you tried out with a lot of other, um, like you, you, some. I think some. You would get certain people potentially like involved in that, and if you didn't understand the vibe from the get-go, that's yeah. very that's a very delicate yeah. balance that could get upset very easily, I think. Because when when it was all seven of us on, like I'm perfectly fine like sitting at the back and just adding in like a little like oh my god no way like when a fucking hype moment happens, but not just like trying to talk over people and insert your opinion for the sake of talking. Like when we had all these all, like especially towards the end of the event, like when it, I remember it was just it was like. Josh, Bala, you and um, uh, and Tarek and um, and like Mimi and you know you guys were all popping off and Sean as well popping off and and talking about the games all the time. But you having a good group of people. I think the vibes were just immaculate, honestly, because we had everybody understood that you know doesn't no one it, we're all just chilling. You know, there's no there's no um, pressure to try and like oh I gotta fit in my opinion here. I need people to know I sound smart. It's like it was just laid back. It was chill. 
just watching yeah, the games, reacting. Players understood that too. Like yeah, really the players well. got it as yeah, well. Yeah, the players immediately got it. it. It's like if a co-stream was the official stream, right? It's mm -hmm. like if there was no official stream and it was just co-streams were the only way that you could watch, this is what the official one would be like, where, it, you know, you have to still talk about the game because there isn't like another place where a dedicated viewer can go to to actually watch the game. But you can do the little tangents and you can talk about other stuff and you don't have to be, you know, doing talking about every little thing that occurs. So it helps to have people that have co-streaming experience, which everybody there does. Yeah. You, know, you understand how that differs from traditional commentary. Um, yeah. Talking about like how easy it was to, to do as well. I, I was, um, w when, when it was announced that it was uh, being a co-streaming event, I was partly looking forward to it and partly a little bit um, wishing that it had been a bit more traditional because I was, uh, you know, I've taken a break for a while, just, you know, after my brother died, just trying to get back into things very slowly and not really had the same level of motivation and stuff. And so this, I, I was originally thinking, ah, oh, shit, you know, it's just, it's just a co-streaming event. It's not actually going to get me back in the swing of casting or anything. I would quite like some something to warm up before we go into the whole year. But actually, it was extremely good for me because I just was able to sit down. If you're not feeling it, that you've got tons of other people to pick up the slack. If you are, you have so many different ways that you can pop off being creative with uh, you know, what you're talking about or what you're doing or anything. It was just the easiest event to slide back into and massive credit to the tournament organizers there too. And Bro. just Ludwig and Aiden particularly, who's yeah. on Mogul Moose for mm -hmm. like, just having essentially the whole vision behind it as being like this anti-tournament basically. <laughs> Bro, we had a call time of like, what was it, 30 minutes before the show went live? Like, yeah. It was chilling, fucking goaded. <laughs> it was goaded. It was like, go live. no, seriously, it was like, there's no, because you, you, you work events, you know, big professional polished broadcasts, like you work for VCT, they want to make yeah. sure all the bells and whistles working. We're showing up there like hours in advance because you got hair Yeah, like makeup. three or four hours before you go yeah. live, yeah. Hairs, makeup, everything needs to be done. No, it was like, the call time's 45 minutes before, um, and it's just, yeah, it was very, very chill, laid back vibes. I think... Yeah, huge credit to be on the summit of Mogul Moves for, for the running of a very excellent tournament. I hope it becomes a staple, honestly. I really do. Yeah, viewership is good too, so we'd be surprised if that was not the case. But let's talk about the tournament. The guard took it down. The guard showed up. They were hella consistent. Trent was looking nasty, and they took it down. Oh, I, I, I forgot, actually. I wanted to do, before we, before we talk about the guard... We have the little MVP of the tournament. Mm. The oh. What's up? Yeah, we're going to do that at the end. And it kind of leads into this one. Because okay. I have a feeling most of us probably picked somebody from the guard. And it's probably Trent. <laughs> or I'm just speaking for myself. But I am interested in seeing who we have as the MVPs of the tournament. <laughs> well, you're going to uh, be surprised, why? Yeah, I actually want to The reveal. Oh, okay. We have triple Trent. Uh, Josh has picked Trent. I have picked Trent. Ball has picked Trent. And Brent has gone with Hayes. I went with all man Hayes. Yeah. Because I, I think I thought everybody would go for Trent. I, I took a gamble and I'm glad everybody did because I think Trent would probably be the number one choice. But honestly, Hayes had a fucking phenomenal tournament for like. Yeah, he did. Old, old man Hayes, honestly. The cobbler himself showed up and the guy popped off, yeah, was, honestly. He, he went crazy numbers wise. He was making good calls. They, particularly, I like TSM's adaptations as well over the course of the tournament. I mean, there weren't that many games, but you know, they were getting better and better you know, in the games that they played over the course of it. 
Uh, I, I put Dan Hayes as my MVP for the tournament because I think I you can even, attribute a lot of that to him. I don't even think Hayes is that old. We have to stop with these esports old <laughs> That's narratives. That's ridiculous. Fucking Tom Brady okay, okay, is still yeah, playing. Yeah. He's no, no, like 60. We, 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 I swear to God yeah. we spoke about this on the upper episode, the previous episode. Did we? At some point, yeah. I think we I'm talked sure we about it. Like, Age isn't the thing that, like, you, you don't just reach the age of 30 and your reactions are suddenly, like, slowed down to a crisp. You, that's not the thing that stops you. It's the passion of the game. I'm, not, I'm saying it in jest because literally... Yeah. Oh, no, I know. We're comparing oh, I know you're him, the other MVP jest. is, like, 19. Yeah. 18. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it's, it's said in jest mainly. But, yeah, yeah, it's like, he's 33, but... You know, it's... But he's handsome as fuck. It's a, yeah, he's Holy. handsome as fuck. You know, he's a good-looking guy. He's got that passion about him. He can click yeah. on heads. How old is Tom Brady? 39, isn't he? What is he? In his 40s? If Tom Brady can play... If Tom Brady's going to play next 45. season for, for the Raiders, Hayes can keep playing. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. It's out of control. Uh -huh. um, okay. Let's talk about the guard that winning the tournament. Trent... MVP for a lot of us went crazy, especially that split game. He was uh, a demonic yeah, on the Viper against Sentinels uh, at, at the end of that first day. Um, and he, uh, before I, I want to talk about how, how we feel guard ranks among the franchise teams, but first I just want to get the, the thoughts on their victory here. This is the year. How, the how impressed are you by this victory? I think this is, this, this is the year for the guard, I think, um, when you think about uh, firstly, pretty impressive, but also kind of understandable. I said that when we were going into the preview of this tournament, I, th I thought the guard would be favorites to win it. Um, and they, they didn't take it, obviously. But we're, we're moving into, like, honestly, all the strengths of what made them a good team in the past. Like, when I think of how well they had, um, like, in terms of their setups with K KJ setups and how well they, their defaults are really well thought out surrounding around net playing that role. And they, they did take a hit, I think, when they moved into a bit more of the chamber meta. Well, now chamber's out of the picture a little bit. I think the guard should be shaping up to be a real, real top contender uh, moving forward. Tex, I think, also played pretty well. Um, I think might take some bit, a bit more going. I think in terms of the raw, you know, if you had to com compare him to Sire player, in terms of raw skill, Sire player still would take the cake, I think, just individually. You can just see that even from the T1 matches that we watched. But, you know, Tex, I think, you know, has come into this team. The core's already there. And you can... I think the guard are going to be able to pull a lot from what they were doing early on in their, their real reign of dominance previous to Chamber um, and probably find a lot of success in the, in the coming year. Yeah, I think the meta is just a great one for them right now. Yeah. It allows them to go back to what was working so well. Um, I also don't think that... I don't think that if, if Tex doesn't pick his game up to being, you know, Ascension winning level, because I don't think that's where he's at right now, but it's still really early days with the team. But even if that doesn't happen, there's going to be teams that drop out halfway through the year, or, or not drop out, but they're kind of out of contention, or they're not you know, looking as hot for it, where you'll be able to pick up players if you're in that kind of spot towards, you know, the, the yeah. latter third of the year. So I don't think that's worrying for any guard fans either. Um, maybe it just puts a bit, bit more pressure on, uh, on, on Tex individually. I, I think that even if he doesn't go, like, insanely crazy towards the end of the year, I still think they have a shot at making a run at it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I, I don't think you need Tex to be fucking tens in order for the guard to, to make it through Ascension. I, I think that's probably expecting a little too much from him, but I also think that he fit pretty well in the team. I think he actually had a little bit more freedom than, than what Saya player was doing. I don't know if that's because Saya is a little bit more of a passive player, which probably is true, uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed, especially the Pearl matches that he that he had, where I think maybe the strap book was a little uh, 
shorter stacked for the guard where he had a little bit more to go for but trent is just crazy guys i mean this guy yeah yeah leveled leveled up honestly i i kept saying it during the event but i, I really think he leveled up he got better um following this year or the the last year that they just had and i i think everything that he was good at last year he's still fucking phenomenal at which is fundamentals which is gun skill which is aim all that stuff which i think comes out of being a ranked demon um is now uh buffered by on top of that having really really good team play and also insane utility which um yeah. shows because he plays an initiator role so this team is super scary like super super scary i also i, I love the mid-rounding improvements that they've made uh, the players were talking about it you could you could see it in the game as well um and this round actually too was like a post plant on the fly call or maybe not on the fly actually because they did say that they had uh, planned it beforehand it for josh josh called it in time yeah obviously. yeah yeah it was a coach call that they wanted to flank more in the in the post plant and go double cat but just the the input from josh that's been translated through valin is clear and obvious to see and that doesn't mean that mce was shit either because they're working on a great foundation of stuff that mce put down mm -hmm. that they're able to go back to because it is a similar meta too so it's just it's just a great spot for the guard to be playing it the only map that they ended up losing the whole event was uh pearl right they lost it twice in the opening game and, and it's not like that was looking awful for them they just had some clear issues with um in the first game trying to defend the a site looked really challenging for them uh, and then the second time they played it, it was actually fairly close, but they uh, they changed up a ton, and it looked like a bit of a mess the second time against TSM. But again, it's still a really close game. Their map pool looks good. Their haven looked astounding. Um, it, they they just look really clean. And and this was a bit of a discussion we had on the couch at the time too. And Sean had his input, which is pretty similar to mine, I think. That this this game you're going to have the ascension teams are going to be better than a decent percentage of the franchise teams of the partner teams and it's hard to say exactly what percentage that's going to be and it doesn't necessarily mean that when they win ascension they're going to be great the next year but at the time when they're at their peak when they actually win ascension if you played a tournament then against the other partner teams i bet the ascension team would rank somewhere about in the middle of all of the franchise teams maybe even a bit higher because you're catching them at their exact peak you know anywhere from the middle upwards uh, just because you, you've got so much talent that's going to rise and the top teams are so static yeah. uh, just because of the rule sets and you know how the format works. Yeah, I think that's you're assuming as well that the, the challengers teams are very aggressive about um, roster changes and whatnot too, like picking up the best of the talent and stuff yeah. like that. But I also think that that's just something that comes out with the format and something I was talking right. about with the VRLs last year too in terms of promotion to the EMEA League is that these leagues, I mean, the challengers leagues are incredibly difficult. Like two open qualifiers, the best teams only, right? I mean, not necessarily. It's it's uh, obviously double elim bracket, just like it's only two games or whatever. Um, but then you go through a league, and then it's the best again. It's like what one one or two teams from every challengers league going to the ascension tournament, and then it's the best ascension tournament from the entire world. Like you're you're taking multiple derivatives of the best teams and um, potentially putting them into the, the franchise leagues next year. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to get really, really good talent. Uh, if yeah. not if not a good cohesive team, at least a couple of really fucking nasty players. Yeah. All right. I mean, you were talking about it, Josh, but uh, let's, let's do it. I want, let's try and rank the guard against the franchise team. The franchise teams. We're going to use our way too early tier list. Also, 
This also, is a travesty. Don't, don't let this distract you from the fact that uh, Tex died to fall damage on Jet during the tournament. Yep. No, um, true. Don't let it distract true. you from that important fact. All right. Let's try and place the guard in this very, very chaotic tier list that we took <laughs> yeah. a couple I, I don't ago. even know how to engage with this. How do I engage with this? I don't, uh, I don't get it. I wasn't there when you made this, and it's bonkers. Yeah, it's ludicrous. You were the I wasn't one, there in this yeah, episode. You were, you were, the, the you were there. You were there fighting. No, get Koi higher. Get them higher. <laughs> you were there fighting. <laughs> I remember it. I remember no, no, it. no. I'm not taking any Get Hunter Thieves into seats here. They're going to be shit this year. <laughs> I remember it. Um, I wasn't here. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I think this is okay. Right, I think guys, the God don't of... judge the way too early tier list. This is about just it's a general outline to try and place the guard where you think they would be at. Okay, so first of all, we want to, are we thinking S tier? Are we thinking A tier? B tier? What, what's your initial yeah. response, Josh? My initial idea would be like top of B tier, something like that. But um, <laughs> I haven't quite looked at all of the teams that are involved here. I think there's so many great franchise teams that it's very unlikely that they would be S and A tier if they played a full year in North America. But I'm, yeah, I think... To me, just a gut reaction to this is somewhere on B. Obviously, there are massive things that each of us will disagree with on the tier list itself, but I, I think they'd end up being somewhere like the, the bottom of the top third, maybe? Yeah, I was thinking bottom, like really, really bottom A tier. Um, like top B tier type of, type of beat. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty reasonable. To be clear, we have like 10 teams in the A tier, I think. Maybe nine, nine teams, something like that. And mm -hmm. four teams in the S tier. Because I do think there are teams in the A tier they can compete with. Also, how are Zeta in the A tier? What were we cooking? <laughs> what were I we don't cooking? know why they're in A tier. Why? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they're there. They should definitely be lower. But I, I think they can definitely... I mean, also, if we're talking about right now in this moment, I think there are definitely teams in the A tier. They would be... At the very oh, least, definitely. pushing to the limit. Um, well, like I mean, a they beat loud, Sentinels, right? A Paper Rex, <laughs> obviously Sentinels, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they could compete against Leviathan. I, I think a lot of those teams they'd be competing with. So I feel like you got to put them somewhere in that, well, the, in that yeah. mix. Are we talking like right now, if they were, if they were competing yeah, right now? right now. Or just with, okay. Let's I just mean, do right now. I, I think you would have to put them at least middle of the pack in A tier just because they have... The same core, it's a good meta for them, and they're pulling from um, you know, more practice than a lot of these teams as well. You've got to remember, one of the part of the reasons why the franchise teams didn't do as well in, in the uh, tournament, why Sentinels and T1 didn't do as well, is because, well, I, I don't really know about, uh, much about T1's practice situation. I think they have been practicing a while, but Sentinels have only been practicing a week. And even still from that tournament, it was undisputed. You could still tell the player quality individually was there. They just needed time to actually develop as a team. So... I mean, immediately, I think that the thing that would set apart the guard from everybody else is the fact that they actually have been putting in a lot of practice together for, for longer than some of these franchise teams. Um, if, the guard, if the guard played in lock-in, I reckon they get to the quarters. Yeah, I, reckon I, they make, I think that's like, a, good, a good estimation. I, I mean, who, th that's such a silly statement because it completely depends on how the bracket would play out. But yeah. like an average bracket, I reckon they're going like two and one against the, the, the average people in... Uh, in franchise, I think there's more teams that they're going to be able to beat than they would lose to currently. Yeah, yeah, that's my gut feel because I I feel like the the partnership teams are going to get better as the year goes on. They're long term projects, uh, and 
as we saw from this event, even the ones that look super promising, like Sentinels, uh, still have massive gaps in their gameplay right now. Even if Sentinels have been cracking together for more than a week, even if they'd been together for a couple or three or something like that, they could have still been behind the guard. It's not not uh, not a yep. ridiculous thing to say. I, I think I agree with that. Also, guard should have been a franchise. I keep saying it, but... Yeah, I got a lot of yeah. questions. Fucking, yeah, a lot of questions. Up there. Why are non-franchising? Definitely one of them. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about Sen Josh. Do you think in their performance? Do you think their performance was acceptable? Um. Well, how do you define acceptable for a team that's only been together for a week? I suppose that's really the crux of the entire question yeah. there. Because yeah. Well, well how would what, you define it then? Well, I think yeah. What what you saw was um good individual performances. Um and not much team play, not much strategy behind it. And I think that that's obviously going to improve. But what concerns me, really, I I'm going to be honest, I left much more concerned about Sentinels at Sao Paulo than I did enthusiastic about them. Because of the games that they played, and they didn't play a huge amount of maps. They played, what, um, five maps? But uh, especially after the first day, and I said this on the couch as well, a lot of those were just kind of... They were playing compositions to win the tournament, not to practice for Sao Paulo, is how it felt to me. And yes. that's not useful at like all. That double double I mean, duelist shit, for sure. Yeah, 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 the double duelist stuff. So they, I mean, we're watching them play on uh, Split here against TSM, but even before this, right, they play on, on, the Fracture comps looked serious to me. Pearl, they were playing Jet and Neon. Um, and uh, I don't think that that has... Uh, I think that that might be something that they would ever pull out as a strat, but not something that they would run much of. I don't think it no. has too far to go. And then uh, what else did they go with? They What did they play? They didn't play uh, that many maps. They played... Yeah, there was something else as well. Oh, Split. Sorry, Split, Split I'm Split. trying to remember too. Yeah. Split was a weird one, right? Because they ran... To me, their comp didn't even make a ton of sense because they're playing the Jet Rays, but they're playing it with um, a Viper and they're playing it without a Cypher or a Killjoy. They're not really able to gather any great information around the map. Their attack side doesn't really have too much ability to pop either because they're not... Like, one of the things that the Jet Rays comps previously have relied on quite a lot is playing it with the Sage um, so that you have an ability to, um, to create pressure on, like, the, the B main wall or to go for some some other other stuff over towards a I, I just i didn't really like it because i thought that it, while tens had like an individually great performance at the lan i didn't think that it felt more like you were leaning into his strengths and not trying to make him a better player like a lot of the stuff that i was watching from tens it's the same kind of mistakes where he's not um he's playing to maximize his own ability he's not really playing to maximize the team's ability um and i think that that's a waste of time to play a full like tournament without prepping. I suppose to it comes get down better to, at that. It comes down to the mentality of the what the team wants to get out of it, right? Which was clear, from my perspective, it was like, okay, the tournament is partly being ran by you know Tarek. He slapped his name onto it. Sentinels are almost expected to play there um, and get you know yeah. see some play time. But if the coaching staff and if the players think that. The advantage you'd get from getting good practice using proper comps um, would get offset by giving 
um, VOD content, right, to your opponents as you're heading into Brazil, which is not too far away. If they if they see that as too big as a disadvantage, then they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't think for a young team you're worried about giving away your VODs because you don't have shit in your VODs. There's not, you know, not much yeah, time to practice, though. Like, I feel like if you're anything that you showcase now, that there, there is two new maps in the pool and a new meta, so that there, there, there will be a high likelihood if you were to take it entirely seriously and run the shit that you were actually intending to practice in matches. I mean, there's a high likelihood that it wouldn't change that much come around to Brazil. In a I very think, yeah. straightforward sense, though, they, Don said they only practiced six days before this event. They were just going to be practicing for more time between this event and Sao Paulo, though. Like, presumably, yeah, a lot more would change in that time than would be the case of this tournament. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's true. But to me, you want to be trying to match test ideas. And maybe, maybe the double duelist stuff was a serious idea that they were trying to match test. Not maybe. necessarily the comp, but the idea of, is it more valuable for us to lean into silly comps that where tens can go crazy like for example the pearl game that they played against tsm right tens just is going around the map farming people on jet and that becomes the entire game plan basically is just yep. set tens up for kills and he drops like 320 acs 48 kills in the uh, oh, oh no that was in the series overall he went 32 and 8 on pearl on jet which is just but, crazy yeah and it's well, fucking bonkers also but at that's the beginning the of that game it was six rounds in him and Zekin both had, they had 22 kills combined. They were like both 11-11. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just, yeah, like you were saying, it was like death throws a pop flash, they just go kill everyone. <laughs> like that, yeah. that was the but play. To me, that, that doesn't really scale as you get to Sao Paulo. And maybe the, the, what they're trying to figure out is, should we be leaning into comps where 10s can go, just go silly? Um, but I think the reason that that worries me is that that's basically the only way that 10s has ever found success. And I think he's got more to bring out of him by actually fitting him into a, well, an environment where he's going to be adding to the team overall rather than having the entire team set him up. Let me ask you this then. Uh, for, for, for you, what would have been the success criteria for um, Sentinels coming into this tournament? Because for me, it was, I want to see, I want to see Tens obviously be a lot more flexible, um, but I also want to see his form be high. And I, to, to be honest, I think they checked both of the boxes because his KO, in my opinion, was quite good on fracture, which yeah, seems to be like really the, well. the most the most serious. I mean, he had what twenty eight assists or some shit like that, like a ridiculous the, amount of assists. Yeah. His pop flashes were 25. really good for his teammates, and that's not something I've really ever seen from tens. You know, so I think it checks that box, and then on top of that, he can fall into this opera, which I think is going to be a significant chunk of what you want from tens in this meta, um, simply because Chamber's dead, and you're going to want an opera, um, and if you have tens on it then that's great, but... I don't like, think... And your concern, Josh, right, with, um, like, they might just try and lean into all of Tens' strengths and not really, you know, playing intelligently or trying to improve that aspect of the game. I don't think that's the case. And I, I'm literally pulling from his ranked gameplay for this, but there was a, <laughs> there was a, there was a clip that popped off <laughs> of him acing. I don't know if anybody else has seen sub, this. Are you a tier three sub, Bren? Are you a tier three sub? I'm not they, a tier they, three they, sub of tens, but maybe you, I should you, be. You, but you keep coming out with these fucking stream Dude, I, So there's a clip of him acing, and it's so fucking funny because he's tilted out of his mind at the rank system because he's trying to play proper Valorant. He's trying to like instill ideas that clearly that they are practicing in the game, but it's ranked. So he's like... It, I forgot it. He's like, you can clearly tell he's, he's tilted. He's like, I forgot it's ranked. Let, let's just have fun with it. And he just pops knives and he's critiquing every play he makes as he aces. 
and he's just doing dumb shit. And he's just outskilling. He's like, I'm just gonna outskill it. I'm just gonna outskill it. This is, yeah, this is it here. He's like, okay, this guy's here. Just gonna go over here. No support. Uh, it's ranked. I'll just have fun with it. Yeah. And he's like, he's just effortlessly acing. But he understands the entire time that what he's doing is not. You can't replicate this in pro play. He understands that this is not, you know, the ideal way to play Valorant. So it's. This clip was the thing, because I, I think I would have been more inclined to agree with you. It's like, oh, wow, there is a bit of a risk here of, you know, 10's not really reaching that next level of, of a player. But this clip, the fact that he was getting tilted at ranked, <laughs> but, told me that he is... Brent, surely you didn't believe that he didn't think that that was bad play already, right? Like, I mean, because... individually, it's not bad play there, but he... But it's, it's the hyper... It's the fixation it's a, on it. Yeah, it's the fact that he was getting actively tilted in ranked... Sure. And, and because like, he like, because he's like actively trying to improve cooking. as a player. I see where you're right? cooking. I'm following. Yeah. I'm and so, following. and he's like, fuck it. Just, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I usually do. But yeah, mo little moments like that show to me that he is actively trying to push himself. My, yeah. my main oh. concern actually, like, uh, I mean, I, I somewhat disagree with you, somewhat agree with you, Josh, but I, I think my main concern for this team comes from somewhere else because uh, a couple of checkboxes that were there I listed for 10s. The other one is that Def can call with the Brazilian duo in the mix and be comfortable. And that was a massive not like missed checkbox, in my opinion. Um, and then also that the Brazilian duo could still maintain good form even though they're not, they're not surrounded by familiarity, you know? And yeah. that, I think, is like still up in the air. But those are my bigger concerns than anything else. Pancada was good. Saucy was okay. Them together was really good. But them as a unit with the rest of the team wasn't that good. Def was not good. And I think you need, I'm, I'm not going to say, okay, like replace him or anything like that. But like, I, he wasn't good this event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. No, I, I, I think Def's got the well, hardest I'm, job early on in a team. Though, exactly. Right? Because, That's why I want to yeah. be light on him. Yeah, the, the thing is, though, that we've seen, like, really shockingly bad performances from Def before when his team's been struggling. Um, so I could see that being replicated at Sao Paulo, too. You, you asked the question, though, earlier, like, what the, you know, what the, what the thing that I would be looking for is as a success metric for Sentinels, to be honest. And I think it's just that they showed me a coherent plan of how they're going to run this team. And that's not exactly what I got yet. And maybe that's what Sao Paulo is going to show because I don't think Sao Paulo is going to show like a win for Sentinels or anything like that. Yep. Um, if you're a Sen fan and you're expecting them to come away with the dub in this tournament, you're, you're off your rocker. There's no chance. Um, I think that, you know, considering they're playing against Fnatic round one as well, they're not actually, they're actually expected to go out in 1BO3, I would argue at this point, because their level of practice is just so much lower. Um, if they end up getting a big upset result though, that's going to change the narrative massively because uh, beating Fnatic and knocking them home would be you know huge for the team but at the moment that's where the expectations are and to me i think you you look at this tournament and you ask the question like what is the identity of this team and i think that they actually presented a really confused narrative uh, a lot of the time they were trying to run zekin as their primary duelist um you're thinking about for example they had never played fracture before they go into the event and it's their first time ever playing fracture uh, and the composition that they've come out with has uh tens playing the uh, KO instead of Zekin. Um, that's instead of, you know, with, with Zekin on Neon. And that's not necessarily a big problem. Like if they as a team want to be rotating Zekin and Tens uh, around, that's fine. But that, again, it hits like things in the back of my head about Tens' flexibility because I'm expecting him to be the primary duelist. I'm expecting them to want him to get more reps on stuff like the Neon. And I'm expecting Zekin to be fulfilling this uh, this this role as 
know, the, the flex player for the team. And I, I just thought the whole thing came away as looking very muddy. And I didn't, I didn't understand the vision that they were going to take away from that. If you're Sentinel's coaching staff and you come out the end of the Ludwig Tarek Invitational, what, what data do you have to work with for the future? I'm not really sure what it is other than, I, to me, I, I actually quite liked putting tens on, uh, on uh, the, the like supportive role, but I'm not sure they're willing to sacrifice the drops 30 on Pearl aspect. So I don't know. I, I really don't know where they're going from here. Yeah, I, I think it, it left me with more questions than answers. Because I, I, I agree with what Ball said with his criteria, but I feel like some of, some of those criteria should just be a given with the player quality. It's like, well, you want to make sure these guys are playing well, and I, I, and I agree. But I mean, it's it not just, with six days of practice. I won't ever say that. Yeah, but that individually, I mean, they, I don't know. There, there's, well, but I, I, say, I don't think, know, regardless. I don't I, think the individual quality was bad, though, was it? I saw it some great, people like. I thought. I mean, yeah, no, Pencato was, was insane. Uh, Tens was insane. Zekin got a knife kill. Um, <laughs> got two. <laughs> <laughs> you got two? No, you almost got a second. Oh, actually. okay. Um, yeah. But I don't know. That's just, that's just expected to me. It is muddy. I don't even. Yeah, I don't. They, they've had a week. They've had a week to prep. Yeah. But they, we got a deep dive. I think you're the team. They're all yeah. viewers. You know, what's, you know what's unacceptable? Maybe it's the fucking fact that they've only had a week to prep. Uh, actually, never mind. They had to fly the uh, visas. Like yeah, visas. Yeah. 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 yeah they had a really <laughs> rough situation with the with the visas. I guess. Yeah. You, you'd expect that there'd be a way to get around that in terms of. Like, can they can they fly some of the others out so that they can boot camp in Brazil just for a little bit of time beforehand? I, I think though, basically, in the of moving to LA though, it's like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they've just had an extremely stressful off season, basically, in terms of like getting yeah. all of the logistics together, and really, they're just viewing Sao Paulo as it should be viewed as an opportunity to get in shape for the actual tournaments that matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I. I'm, I might be being That's... too much of a hater because there were a lot of rounds that I just thought were played so poorly as a as a team but I, 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 I mean, being a hater because they're new possibly but also it's stuff that i feel like is kind of straightforward like there was one round that i had sent you kurt the i think it's the last clip it's like early on on icebox they stinger force and they just l kept leaving def to plant alone on the site yeah and yeah, then they all yeah. back off yeah it's this he, he's like stuck planting alone and they all back off but they all have stingers but they're, they're, like they're going long range it's just but again, am I being a hater? Maybe. That's, that's but, stuff that just gets... But, there, but uh, you when, know. I, when I look at this, when I look at this, what I'm thinking is that it's um, the player I'm looking at once more, the, who actually ended up tightening this up a little bit further later in Icebox is Tens. Because he's the player that's furthest forward. He's the KO in this example. And he's just kind of running around. He doesn't know where he's supposed to be standing or covering. They haven't gone through like set objectives for... Like what he should be doing he's just kind of running around yeah. and then he backs up and you know there's no there's no protocol in place for like you are you know one of the guys it doesn't necessarily have to be tens but one of the guys needs to be holding this position so that death doesn't get challenged while he's in the post plant and he died like three four times trying to get the spike down without them fixing it and i think it's just because you've it's not that you have like agent swaps it's that you have role swaps like yeah the the players are playing different roles second is normally up at the front there he's playing killjoy so he's got in his head like oh i should back up a little bit and no one else is filling the gap because they're not used to playing in that environment I, that kind of stuff will get solved um, yeah that's a, that's a, that gets fixed in a vod review honestly of just literally deep diving who's holding what when we're scaling i said i had a lot of questions earlier and i need answers 
And I, <laughs> I hope that you're the group of guys who can give me the answers I'm seeking. Mm. Holy shit, are we done with the Sentinels? Because holy fuck, we just did, we just went back to 2021. Like a two-hour segment that on was, them. Holy was, shit. That was a two-hour well, Sentinel segment. You, 2021, let me take it back to 2020. Baller. <laughs> I just need answers. Oh, my God. RT1, the most disappointing team in the history of Valorant. Oh, bruh. Answers. Bruh. How does this keep happening? How does this I keep mean, you're asking, I mean, the 2020 history is fucking crazy, but um, yeah... I, I can't even. I don't even think that this is a let's see. I I think there are major uh, major check boxes for me that I don't think any of them got got hit. Right, like the rules need to make sense. Didn't make sense. Carpe needs to be at least playable. Didn't happen. Um, like Saya player needs to be fucking nasty. He kind of was. Um, kind of was. But then their IGLing is all over the place. I don't even really know who. I guess Munchkin's IGLing. Like yeah, he is. Makes no real sense. Um, I thought I thought off the off the rip that it would be okay, like because it felt like they were trying stuff against the guard, whatever. They took that first map off of them, but you realize that it was just the guard getting like outplayed by the specific comp. Um, and they did have some decent set executes. It's just how to actually use those. Um, yeah, that that were really troubling. I'm shocked about how hard they got ripped apart by TSM. And yes, that is absolutely. I, I they're, they're they've had a good amount of time as well and it looks mm -hmm. so so awkward for most of the players like Zeta looks fine on KO, okay? Saya looked fine on duels even though why are they hard forcing Neon on every map? Why are they playing yeah, it on I, a I don't know. Oh, I mean, it was very troll. Why Carpe looked. I mean, he was he wasn't clearing corners with drones. He was missing darts. Yeah, he it still looked so flashing. fresh. And I mean, Ben is way too mechanically skilled of a player to be looking that. I think mid when you when the roles right get I mean, switched up like the that, the roles are just when not. The, it it yeah. changes your so you're. It, it's just it's the thing where you're applying learnings and it deducts away your own individual ability, right? If you're having everybody because they've got so many duelist players on this team, people who like fit naturally into that role. Yeah, when you shift roles like that, when you go back to playing like a sentinel smokes whatever, you have to rethink about the way you approach things. Like Josh was talking about with the role swaps for sentinels on Icebox, the way they approach like the A site, for example, like something that would also automatically be filled by you know Zekin in one instance because the roles change up you have to rethink everything about how you how you scale how you hold things for each other your position and where you should be in certain moments and for T1 that's this is this is the biggest you know people you can talk about player quality all you want but this is the big issue with not just T1 but any team that really I think is picking up talent in the duelist position, you know, really skilled individual players but the question is you know how quickly are you going to be able to get up to scratch against teams that you know, they're fielding players that have already been playing these roles for, for months on end. You know, they've been working with a, with a stable core, players that have been playing initiator, smokes, whatever. And T1, they, they showed some all right stuff. I thought, like, like you said, Bala, the, the executes are all right. I think you could see the Korean influence in that, where especially in Korea, they, they, they love a lot of wholesale big utility executes where they're using the most and they have good ideas of how they want to approach stuff. But um, yeah, the, it, it felt yeah, like it. for certain individuals, it was... It was just missing. Like Carpe, for example, just sometimes looked lost um, most of the time. And uh, I, I kind of expected this, you know, as much as 
you know, the org's making a big deal out of it about the GOAT returning. You can't just introduce somebody into competitive Valorant two years into the ecosystem and expect them to be able to compete against, no. against players that have been playing for that long. You just can't. Uh, my, my answer to the question that's in the lower third right now is, who the fuck expected anything of them? It is, you need I'm expectations for, for I disappointments, thought, I think. I, want, I, was, I thought they would be better than this. They, they have had really? these players on this team for a decent amount of time now. Like, after, the Zeta, after Zeta leaving Cloud9, um, I mean, they had, I think, I can't remember if it was Munchkin first, but they had brought in Munchkin pretty early. Yeah, they it was got like in, right after that. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. brought in Munchkin like immediately. They got Ban in August. They got Saya, I want to say, in the early fall. And then these are all the official announcements, by the way. Obviously, they're scrimming with these players before. And then they brought in uh, Carpe officially. They announced that in like... November, December, something like that. Mm. But they've been, yeah. here's the thing, they've been slowly putting together this team for franchising for m more than half the last year. And it's, they've been slowly piecing it together. How is it slowly pieced together? But yet it, there's, it makes absolutely no sense yeah. with the roles. Like I thought that the, I thought that with this amount of time and how they've pieced this together, that the roles, they've already, gone through the like oh well munchkin will be awkward on this role first but he's been playing it now for a while and they've been building around that and now he's more comfortable but it looks like they just started playing this like last week it's just yeah it, it looks like they well, haven't made progress on the roles that they've swapped to just so, yeah for anyone who didn't I, catch their oh, games uh, they they were rotating ban and munchkin's role from between smokes and sentinel for no reason as far as we could tell I mean, me and bala were talking about it and the only conclusion i could come up with is that it's just depending on which maps Munchkin is happy IGLing uh, from Sentinel on or from Smokes on, you know? That's the only thing that really appears to change between the maps. It's not agent-based or anything like that. Uh, and the, why is Zeta now on the flex role instead of Initiator when he was clearly looking like he was going to be one of the best Initiator players in... Um, in the Pacific region? It's not like... Sire and Zeta didn't look bad, but they're the only... They're the only world-class players on this team. I, I suppose Ban could be, right? Like, we've seen that quality from him on Jet, but we don't know anything about him going, you know, deeper into the other side of stuff. And and I just don't think that... The, to me, when you look at this roster, the roles just inherently clash based on having, you know, Sire and uh, Ban on the team. And if Sire is going to be a primary duelist, which I would argue makes the most sense, you're going to put Ban in an awkward position. I think that they picked them up based on, you know, I think Ban got picked up based on him fitting into the team uh, more than from a roles perspective. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't think this team is going to do anything. You, you start from the Munchkin point of view as well. He's only ever been a good enough IGL to get, like, really weird mixed uh, teams on Crazy Raccoon to global events. And then when they've been at global events, they've been shocking, right? I mean, in terms of like a if you're comparing the global tournaments and the partnership systems like for like, they've been down at the bottom of that, right? Yeah. They've been significant. Uh, uh, they've been consistently one of the worst teams to turn up to those events. And the IGLing has been all over the place. There's yeah. never been a shred of good IGLing coming out from Munchkin. So you've, you've got such a massive mountain to climb in terms of the quality that he's got to demonstrate there compared to what we've seen in the past. And you're adding a brand new player in the mix who's yeah. been bench for 80% of the owl season last year. I mean, what the fuck are they thinking? I just don't, I don't know. I think this, this, this is a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my lord! I mean, oh, that's good. It's just but, a really, yeah. yeah, it's a really sad place, probably, for Sire and Zeta to spend the year. And unless they make some changes, they honestly, they'll probably still make the international tournaments playing in the Pacific region. I, I, don't, I don't think uh, so. I, I don't know. I, I, do, I don't know about that. I, what, I also, what do you need to be in the top four? I, I feel like the they, top three, arguably, right? Top, if we're thinking about yeah, it like that. Oh, uh, top three. Okay, yeah, top three might be. I think tough. it might be tough. I think genuinely. it's. I think it's going to be tough because Paper X, DRX, Gen G, there's yep. contenders, but. Also, I think this. I it's hope possible, though. It's possible. It's possible. I, I think hope it's 100% this possible. team doesn't tank Ban's career because I think he had a lot of potential. <laughs> and if he's just going to get misused by he one, it's just yeah, yeah disappointing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of talent on the team, and they are. Blah, 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 blah. That was I was. I, I think you're going to see this team be in turmoil. Like you're going to see fucking Zeta pick up IGLing in the middle of the year. Um, you're going to see your um, probably roster swaps, like a bunch of different... Yeah. I, I think this team is going to be in turmoil. I don't think anybody's going to be happy with, uh, especially how this uh, originally outing has been, and especially if they've been playing as much as we think they've been playing, which may be a stretch of an assumption. We should probably ask somebody how long they've actually been scrimming together because um, who knows Some if context, has been over here and whatever. When we were talking to NA pros, though, it seems like they've been scrimming in NA yeah, for a they, bit, right? Yeah, they definitely. That, that's CSM how I felt. was talking about it. The guard yeah. was talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, by the way, the Munchkin roll swap out. thing, the Munchkin roll swap thing is exactly what they did at, um, like, what he did with Crazy Raccoon at Masters yeah. Berlin. Yeah. Or, and, and Champions, I guess, in that year. Like, really, really fucking wonky. Like, he's playing the sky, and then all of a sudden he's playing the jet, and swapping with his jet, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, why that was going on? It, it literally yeah. was so confusing. Well, uh, all right. But... I, I I expected more of T1 in this tournament. I wasn't expecting a lot out of TSM. I thought this roster would be good. I thought they'd be, a, yeah, just a good team, one of the strong Ascension teams. But they really showed up. I, I mean, I don't think TSM <laughs> aren't exciting, but they're also <laughs> TSM. I mean, they this roster doesn't have. I would, dis have I would the, disagree with this fucking headline it completely. Have, it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's a lower third. I don't think it I has, didn't make this. Lower it doesn't third. have the. Uh, it, they don't have the, the brand that they used to. The players sure, are as hyped sure. as they used to, um, yeah. but they're good. They played really well. Hayes was really good. What what, what were you guys feeling on, on I, TSM? One of the things I really liked most about TSM was just that they were coming into it and adapting over the course of the tournament. Where some you know like Sentinels were just kind of obviously taking a. Uh, the foot off the gas a little bit for it, but TSM, I think for TSM and the guard, the, the teams that are going to be competing in Ascension, this, this kind of tournament means a lot to them against these franchise teams. And um, they were coming into it, they were thinking about it, they were prepping for their opponents and what they were playing, thinking about how to counter it. I, I'm thinking like from day one to day two when they changed up the KJ setups to Cypher to try and counteract a lot of the neon play that was coming at them. Um, they, they had good ideas about how they wanted to break uh, their opponents. And... Um, on top of that, like you had some standout performances from Hayes, I thought, as an individual. But TSM has always had... TSM were, were a bit of an interesting one coming into the tournament because like, I think most people's expectations were like, oh, it's a little bit up in the air, don't really know, haven't seen a lot of these players competed in a while. But I was very, very pleasantly surprised you know, by the end of the tournament because they were a very fun team to watch. Yep. Um, I thought they were probably the, like outside of the guard and... Actually, Loki, even over top of the guard, I was surprised with how TSM was playing, and I was mm. excited by how TSM was playing. Yeah, there was some um, spaghetti in the beginning, like the very first series, 
But every series after that, and even the first series, there there was some bright spots. Hayes was a was a bright spot the entire time. And I think as the tournament progressed, Corey got more and more comfortable um, being used as the the tip of the spear. Um, like he went from last year, he was he was this exact thing. He was super passive on chamber. He was never really um, obviously the role that he was playing didn't allow him to be super aggressive. But he never was the guy taking initiative. And he started off that way at this tournament. And as the tournament progressed, he was fucking fragging. This guy was going crazy. And I think is definitely a, a candidate to like push his team higher than the level that they are. And then Hayes on top of that too, adding the IGLing that he was that he was bringing and being able to control his team in such a way was very, very impressive. What really impressed me too with them, which is why it has me a bit excited, is that that first game against Sentinels on Fracture, the map that they lost, mm-hmm. they were positioned well and, and kind of making the right calls, but their, I felt their comp wasn't particularly effective. Their B setup with the Viper, the walls that they were using in tandem with the Killjoy setup on B I, was fairly weak. It wasn't effective at stopping Sentinels there. And often on A, they would have the right players at halls, but their utility timings were off. Things weren't placed in the right spots. Like they had the fade Astra raise there, but they just couldn't hold halls effectively. And they lost that fracture game to Sen, which was fairly close. And for the most part came down to Sen winning clutches at pivotal moments to, to turn it over. And then when they played fracture the second time, I thought they really tightened that stuff up. First of all, they switched the Killjoy to the Cypher, which uh, Cypher, I think, is just better than Killjoy on this map. Uh, Just having the global reach and the ability to place trips at certain parts and and roam elsewhere versus the static Killjoy, I think, made a a difference. But I think the huge difference was that their hulls was locked the fuck down on their second time playing Fracture. I think they really stepped it up in that area of the map. And being able to play that a second time improving and beating Sen just the very next day, um, I thought was 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 pretty sick, pretty impressive on this map. And then also they just banned out Pearl and were able to play them on uh, Icebox, where they also just looked significantly better. Yeah, their Icebox did look very good. Um, I, I think that TSM, to me, look like they're going to be a... probably a gatekeeper team for the uh, like Tier 2 level where the people below them are not going to have too much, like, are essentially out of the running for making it through and winning Ascension. And if you're beating TSM, you're actually in the big leagues of like, okay, we're now we've got a great chance of being able to, you know, compete for the best spots in that Tier 2 circuit. Um, I, I didn't see... I, I don't think that I saw flashes of individual brilliance in the same way that I did from the guard and I don't think that their game plans and mid-rounding were quite as good either what it seems like is that they're a pretty rough around the edges team that Hayes has done a great job of forming into a good squad that can adapt day to day and are improving and have a good idea of what's going on in the in the game um, I think they're very solid um, I wasn't convinced coming out of this tournament, though, that they're going to be one of the heavy hitters to win in North America. Or it's not North America, I suppose, once it actually gets combined. It's the whole of the Americas, right? The uh, yeah. the end Ascension tournament. But I think, especially with contrasting them with the guard on, for example, how they played Fracture and how quick the guard were at responding to stuff, where you know a push comes through and 
the guard have an instant idea of where they want to go on the map. It was just a little slower coming out from TSM. They were trying to make their comp do um, some awkward things. Uh, you were talking about Fracture and them locking down halls. They were often going for like mid-round pushes in areas that seemed a bit wonky. They had this like Viper Wall going out into the bridge as well that they didn't really use the whole of the first day and then they started getting some value out of it. Yeah. So it seems like they're, they're putting the pieces together to be a, a good team that's going to challenge people. Uh, but I wouldn't put my money on them uh, winning and being a franchise team for next year. I have an emotional question. If you want to make a very early call. <laughs> I, have, I have something of an emotional question uh -huh. for the three of you. What if I were to tell you that Hazed is the best Valorant player from the original TSM roster right now in 2023? <laughs> Would you believe it? Who, who the fuck's on the original TSM roster? Wardell, Wardell, Sabrosa, Cutler. Is this shocking to anyone? Is anyone surprised? Uh, it would have been shocking had you gone back in time and told me. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's not shocking now because I know that, you know, yeah. the players that looked like they had a lot of promise have fallen by the wayside. But um yeah, it, it it would have been shocking at the time. Yeah. It's just I think it's pretty interesting it how that's interesting. ended up the case. That he, yeah. he is still there rather he has become the the best player, the one who stood the test of time is wise. I think I think it's possible that whoa. I think it's possible that um that Sabrosa could still have you know, some, some promise as a player, but uh, I, I don't even know. Is he even playing on a team right Not now? Not right now, no. I, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Wardell no. is playing with the nation. <laughs> I don't know if that's... Yeah. I mean, we'll see how the nation does in the LCQ, but yeah, I just think it's uh, interesting to point out that after all this time, he's, he's managed to uh, just remain a, a very strong, consistent player. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to head to a break. Uh, I really need to go to the bathroom, and then we'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> Boom. Can you entertain me with a story, Bren? Um, what do you want to know? Uh, don't know. What do I want to know? Um, um, I, I don't want to have a story. What did you learn recently? Hmm? What did you learn recently? Um, I would be a great QA tester for video games. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because I just, I like to, I get my hands on a new game, I like to break it. You know, I like to break it. I was finding sequence breaks in the new Pokemon game. What What is a sequence break? It's like, you know, you have a set series of uh, scripted events that you have to go into in an order. Um, and like, like one thing happens after another. And a sequence break is like you've skipped some of the sequences in between and you've just like got into an area you're not supposed to be into. Right. I see. I see. Um, that's, that's Which what Pokemon I've been doing. game is this? Oh, the, the new Scarlet one. The new Violet Scarlet one. It runs like fucking shit. I have no <laughs> idea why people are still buying these games. I mean, I do because it's like it's the biggest franchise on earth. But it it like it is just it has appalling performance, like appalling. Yeah. But it's it's relatively fun. It's probably the best Pokemon game that they've made. I haven't even gotten pretty deep into it, but there's a lot of quality of life changes that make it pretty uh, pretty good. Um. But you can't nuzlocke it either, really. Yeah, I saw people trying, and it looked yeah. difficult. But the, it's it wouldn't be a problem if um, if you could reset easily. But resetting on the Switch, you have to go into system settings and like delete save data, and then you have to play like an hour long tutorial again. <laughs> so I try I I tried it once and reset once, and I was like, I'm not fucking doing that again. 
it's just right. horrific but there are there are valid ways that you can like randomize your encounters and set it up so um, we will stick to uh yeah the old games i think or we do the the infinite the roguelike oh yeah we should do the roguelike actually at some point but i thought we were going to be playing valheim from now until oh whenever people yeah, are free I'm down actually i'm down as soon as people are free Bala, are you playing valheim with us Bala's Bala, not here. i don't think he's here dude we should get the whole squad playing valheim yeah just a big group of us yeah get kerr get wyatt get um get connor get mimi <laughs> get jack just everybody playing well i'm back hello Dude, welcome back steph made moon kicks they're the mm. fucking best thing ever oh my mm. god i also All right. Well, we still have two minutes. I'm chilling. I just use the restroom myself. Do we want to chill for two minutes? Yeah. I'm going to eat a piece of chocolate. Yeah, get a little <laughs> piece of chocolate. Get a little piece of candy. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks for uh, supporting the show, y'all. This year is our year. We're gonna take over the scene. If any of you guys want to sponsor our show, feel free. If you sponsor our show with lots of money, I'll do a little, uh, little dance. Yeah, and Brent's sing. been practicing this really cool little dance. Yeah. It's so it's like minimal, but like everybody but can like, understand. It's it. like subtly sturdy. Yeah. It's not the minimal. sturdy. No. I could get subtly sturdy for. A big headline sponsor. <laughs> okay, okay. Something light, you know. Something light. I'm gonna fill up my water. I'm dragging us down to the wire. Dude, he only has 45 seconds to fill up his water. That sounds like it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be close. Got a big jug. Oh, and you guys don't, you guys don't even know what the next topics are. The viewers don't even know what we have cooked up. Wait, I've got to, I've got to add something to the next topic because my mentions are just full of it. Of what? Uh, the global esports version. Huh? What? <laughs> the the what? next topic in the runner show. Oh no, the one after that. Sorry, the one after that. Oh, there's a global esports jersey? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I'm ready to talk some shit. You ready to talk some shit right now, Bren? I'm ready to be... <clears throat> I'm ready to be chill. Oh, all right. Well, I won't <laughs> turn up then. I was going to turn up and tell these other podcasts that we're running 2023. We're taking over. You know over. what I mean? Yep. Are there other podcasts? Other trash-ass podcasts. Think they can be on our <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> Fuck it. Flat Chat's running shit this year. I'm going to tell you that right now. I've been, I've been listening to some nasty pods out there. They're not doing it like us. <laughs> what are you listening to? What's going on? I'm not going to declare war on the city of Austin. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> like, what, no, yeah. What is going on? About 900 podcasts in this city. Yeah, these they are, don't. They don't. These are my like streets. 
paving the streets platinum in Austin, you know what I'm saying? Next time I see you, Joe Rogan, any bar. Yeah, Joe, listen, if I see Joe Rogan out at a bar again, yeah. I'm fucking, I, I'm going to tell the security guard, come on, one-on-one, -on -one. let me at him. <laughs> let me at him. Fucking get out of here, Joe. This is my city. One-on-one. -on -one. He doesn't want the smoke. He doesn't. He doesn't want the I smoke. I got like two feet on him, but he, he looks like he has some strength. Fucking kick my whole chest in. He is squat. He looks like a... Yeah. Like it's just a, like this man has had to survive the rugged tundras <laughs> as he's like migrated the migra he's like he was part of the early migration pattern. <laughs> like he's, a, he's like a <laughs> kind of guy, you know. Anyway, uh, that's enough Jesus. throwing shade at Joe uh, Rogan. Nah, well, we can do it for an extra hour. All these other podcasts. It's not just him. It's all okay, it's okay. all podcasts. All right, period. All okay. All right. Let's talk about Ryan Central. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, it's what? funny because we're just talking about throw like literally fighting Joe Rogan, and it's like, all right, well now who's next up on the chopping block? Ryan. <laughs> Ryan no, we're not. I'm not taking the aggression, to Ryan Central. I like Ryan Central. Yeah, I like Ryan a lot as well. Uh, Ryan announced that he's no longer part of the VCT or will not be involved in the uh, European side of things. He said specifically in the tweet, yesterday it was confirmed that I will not be returning to EMEA VCT in 2023 as a core member of the broadcast talent team. This decision was not mine, one of two. I'm still assessing my options, looking at potential team analyst roles, challengers, YouTube content full-time, or perhaps something completely different. Uh, I want to thank Ryan for an amazing three years and wish them luck in the new franchise league. Now, I will start this off by saying, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I think Ryan was great on the desk. I, I'm fucking lovely dude and I also think that as far as actual uh, like game knowledge and validity of points made like I think Ryan I think Ryan was always well spoken and knew what he was talking yep. about I always like listening to Ryan on the desk uh, it's crazy to me yeah I mean I think as well it's it's just a bit of a strange one as well because in the, the short time the moments where I did work of Ryan he has, I think, the qualities that make excellent broadcast talent. I could put a lot of thought into this. I've worked with some incredibly egotistical individuals. I've been incredibly egotistical myself in the past. The like, but but you gotta. But Ryan understood the biggest part of being broadcast talent, which is no one gives a fuck about the Twitter clip with your voice on it. No one gives a fuck about you as an individual. Your job is to tell the right stories and and excel the product and put the product first. And Ryan was was always willing to do that. And um, he was always willing to learn as well and get better at, at the job as well, always actively seeking improvement, which is exactly the kind of person you want, I think, who's, who's going to be on the ground floor for something like the, uh, the partnership system in VCT. So this news, yeah, quite surprising to me, but um, yeah, a, a bit of a shame. I, I think he'll do whatever he decides to do in the future, you know, whatever he puts his mind to, he'll, he'll probably excel at because of that, that same mentality that I was just talking about. I want yeah, to add on that, to this real quick as a vouch. Uh, my first ever event for Riot was Champions Istanbul, and he was very great to work with, and he was super self-critical. He wanted feedback for everything. He was telling everybody that he was trying to improve certain aspects of the game, and he was, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's a shame to not see him anymore in Valorant. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That is the big thing that always uh, hit me with working with Ryan is that he was always, you know, looking to get better at what he was doing. 
And I think part of that is because he's already done something. Like he already has a really successful YouTube channel, which is, you know, a, a place that at the moment is doing mostly Valorant stuff, but in the past has done uh, Overwatch stuff as well. It was the channel I think was called Overwatch Central. Um, and then they've changed it to Hitscan at the moment. And now he's, you know, he's put his name on it as well. Whereas previously it was just a brand as he's just, you know, trying to build out a bit more of a name for himself rather than just being the person behind the YouTube video that you'll have watched that told you everything you needed in 60 seconds, but you didn't realize that I was the guy that made it kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, he's, he's got a good skill set and he's working to get better and better at the, uh, the broadcast side of things as well. So it is a bit of a loss, I think for the EMEA side. Um, but I think it depends entirely on who they bring in as well or like you know what what the overall vision is because there's a few people that have tweeted out like oh not not working uh emea uh, but nobody's there, there isn't a full list of people that are working it yet yeah. so it's difficult to see like what does their desk look like is it a really competent set of people are they making it really small and that's why there wasn't enough room for people involved so there's a, there's a lot of variables here that we just don't really know but yeah, Ryan was good enough to get invited to the last, I think, two champions, right? I think he was at the one in 2021 as well. Uh, and yeah, he's he, he's got a real like desire to tell the right stories and do it properly. Yeah, that, that's what I always liked about Ryan. Um, like he has real integrity about the shit that he says on desks and cares about driving the proper um, ideas, finding the right research, making good points. Um, like that's that's really good and it's genuine and he always is striving to do that like uh some people we have less integrity about the things we say myself being like <laughs> the bigger like the person i'm being critical of like sometimes this is some bullshit ryan is very very much aware of um like the the stuff that he wants to to drive forward and i think that's really really good with ryan it's a surprise um uh, i hope that this doesn't mean we won't see him for any global events this year um but because from what i can tell it's that's not necessarily like the entire thing it might just be emea um, yeah but who knows I, I honestly don't really know what's going on in emea in general i'm not sure if they're still working with freaks for you or if riot's taking on their own broadcast or or what um but i imagine when we get some some of that information we'll, we'll have a little bit more clarity as well about the direction of where they're going to go with their with their broadcasts because honestly i was I was a little bored with their broadcast last year. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Like <laughs> they had they had way better tools than the North America. Um, they had they had better studio space and tools to use, mm -hmm. but I don't think they used them as well as they could have. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that came down to just the people in charge of it not really having the best yeah. vision possible. I don't, I don't think it think, was. I don't think the talent was to blame. As though yep. that might no. might be the immediate takeaway that people um, have yep. from that take. I think it's more just. The direction of the broadcast was never pushed in a very good direction to get the most out of it. So, yeah, and yeah. and my point being kind of like if it's the same type of people in charge, then like not having a vision kind of leads to these types of decisions yeah. as well. Yeah, you know, because because I I mean I I would be frustrated like working for that type of environment. You know, we can we can offer him a full time spot on Plaid Chat. Well, we'll I don't think the yeah, pay is going to be Matter of fact, we, I'm down to exchange one Brit for another Brit. <laughs> <laughs> With how things have been going recently. Wilkinson. 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 W
I, dude, if we did, if we did like, uh, 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 there was a show a long time ago in the UK called Wife Swap, which was just, <laughs> just yeah, an insane, just unbelievable wow. idea for a show anyway. Yep. But if we did, you know, if we did that just one for one, just Ryan comes on to Plant Chat and Pop I come on wives. to, I swear, I would fucking destroy his YouTube channel before he could touch Plat Chat. <laughs> that, that shit would be in the ground immediately. Oh, they had a US version as well. Yeah, wow. it's a classic so, show. Classic. It's an insane idea for a show. It's insanity. Wow. It really is. It's also classic esports trying to bring back the fucking 90s footballer look. They've got the collar jerseys are coming back. Yeah. Have you all been seeing this trend? I See, I was this. liking the. I, I like was, him. I was liking the rugby jerseys. The like rugby jerseys, I, I, I really, really like that Hunter Thieves jersey last year. I always have enjoyed the Gambit jersey. Now we're bringing the collar back. Yeah, the Gambit back. ones are great. Hunter right. Thieves what? look like the what? fucking boys are ready what? to run out in Old Trafford. You, you're going to have to explain to me, though, what is the difference? Because to me, if you say collar jersey, I'm thinking about the Gambit ones from last year. What, why are you calling well, those a rugby are, shirt? What's the difference? Uh, though I'm not sure if some maybe some rugby shirts are uh, like the, the polyester material, but those were all like a heavy cotton these are more uh, of the this like sports jersey. Go back one. This guy, why does he have fucking pipe cutters? On Wait, what is floor? happening? <laughs> that, <laughs> is, that is crazy. What team is that? got some big ass wire cutters. What's happening? That's a crazy image. Um, so DRX, is that League of Legends? I don't know. Not a clue. Yeah, not Gotta a clue. Be. But yeah, DRX unveiled a new jersey and a new logo yeah, and I coloring. Like, it's like uh, a darker blue. I like these DRX yeah, ones. I like the DRX ones. They're quite nice. They're quite I'm a nice. fan. Not, I'm, not a huge fan of the 100 Thieves ones, though. Yeah, I like, I like the old 100 Thieves ones. The, these those, ones. Those last year 100 Thieves jerseys yeah. were fire. Yeah, they these were fire. are not hitting like that. The, the people were responding in tweets saying that it just looks like a fast food uniform, and it so does. I mean, it just <laughs> looks like they're working at... <laughs> it just looks like they're working in a fast food restaurant. Yep. Why are they yep. caterpillars? I don't know. Content. Uh, I think it's the solid red. I think it's the solid red that looks weird. I think it, if it was broken up a little bit, or it had you know the the, the black interweaved in it, I think it'd look way better. It's bright. But I don't design jerseys, and they're a bit fucking multi-million dollar company that basically exists through jerseys. So well, what do yeah, I? Yeah, it's interesting though because bright red like that is just not a great color for a lot of people, and it's actually like the lowest selling color as far as clothing goes. So it's Damn. I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I'm not I, a fan I of didn't know you were going to bring the stats out. I, like fuck that. Those, I really like the 100 Thieves jerseys last year. I was a huge fan of those. Uh, it's too bad that those are gone. What are, what's the global Crazy. esports one? Did that, that just got unveiled? Yeah, well, I, I'm not really sure. The reason that I'm aware there's some kind of drama around the global esports jerseys is because the global esports CEO keeps tagging me in tweets, being like, oh, cool tournament at Sideshow, at Brain, at Tarek, at whatever. <laughs> and then all I see are yeah. the people responding to him saying, change the jerseys. The what? global jerseys are shit. And I'm like, mate, why have you tagged me in all of this? So I keep, like, every, I, I would say, Every time he tags me in a tweet, I get five extra mentions of people saying, change the jersey, change the jersey. So I'm not, I don't really get what it is. But if you, if you look at the tweet that I linked, it's literally the guy is saying like, GG's for the Ludwig Tarek Invitational. And this is the founder of Global Esports. Yeah. Every reply is, change the jersey for fuck's sake, looking like the jersey of a tier three org. And then, you know, it's just like, clearly people have a big problem with it. But I don't think it even looks that bad. I mean, is, that is there anything uh, that terrible about that? I think it's pretty whack. 
Yeah, uh, yeah it looks very, um, it looks 2006 esports is how I would say. Right. It. You know, gives me yeah. that vibe. They're bringing their PCs to yeah. the like, land center yes. <laughs> kind of jersey. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> you're wearing, you got your jersey sent yep. out. The org's paying for you to go to the land, the bring your own PC land center. You're winning mouse pads for first yes. place playing Source. Those are the vibes <laughs> it gives me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, every literally jersey. every yeah, response is change the jersey, change the jersey, and and this tweet wasn't even about the jerseys, man. This is your founder just tweeting other jersey. stuff, yeah, and they're going so the deep on it. Just yeah, just the cool tournament. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> change the jersey. It's fucking that is uh, Jesus Christ. That is pretty funny. Yo, y'all see hundred. Hundred thieves, y'all, y'all see their new AT and T practice room. Yeah, dude, it was pretty, pretty sick. I saw, sweet. You know, dude, I saw Bang walking in there. He had the fucking, he had the iced out Jesus piece walking what? into the AT and T room. You got to get the diamond tester out, Brent. I like I the. Y'all see the, the damn, look at that. God, diamond damn, tester. Damn. Used to shit. pray for times like this. Yeah, now we're living it. Now we're living it. <laughs> damn. They do need to change out the posters, though, because one of those maps is out of rotation already. <laughs> yeah, they got Breeze in the That's middle. That, you ain't going to be getting much usage out of that. Got to go back to Office Depot. Yeah, get, get new, Breeze get out of the middle. Printed. Get a new one printed. <laughs> are you are you suggesting that they actually draw their strats up on that? Like they should. Oh yeah, I guess maybe they do. Is it a whiteboard know. or what? They've got bind there as well. They fuck it up. Oh yeah, Dan's talking about bind and taking. Yeah, he's like, this map's gone. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, they need to. Yeah, you gotta. You know, yeah, you Dan has them taking cold showers. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of pro players that I think unironically take the cold showers at five a.m. approach. I think Mike's well, taking the cold showers too. Dude, I don't, I don't think Mike is cold shower pill. <laughs> the no, thing no. is, Mike Mike comes from poverty background. So, he, you know, he, when he was working at UPS or whatever, he's actually taking cold showers at 5 a.m. because he needs to be up at that time and he d- can't pay for his hot water. So <laughs> when, you, when you live that life, there's no reason to go back to it once you've made it. Yeah, that's what I mean. I yeah. can't see Mike doing that. And before that, he was a farmer. Yeah. Getting up really <laughs> early to... <laughs> Sow the fields. Yeah. Yeah, he was There's picking no corn. Yeah, he was out there with the corn, the crops. No way. Really? Cows. Was, and... yeah. Dude, There's they should make else. a movie the... out of Mike's life. <laughs> There's only two kidding. jobs where he came from. Yeah. Humble two jobs. Beginnings. Yeah. That's There's crazy. corn and packing the corn. And he worked for packing wow. the corn at UPS. Wow. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Um, now look at him. All right, all right, all right. Well, uh, well, how did we get onto this? <laughs> I wanted to point. I, 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 like I, I, saw I don't know, man. It's the off. The off season's fucking over, and we're talking about fucking. We're talking about jerseys. We're talking about yeah. jerseys. Man. No, because it's, it's the all. Everyone's going with this collared era. Yeah, and Bang had that crazy fucking the yeah. piece. Eighty thousand dollars. Nice. I like the piece. piece. I like the piece. Um, did you guys see how I much Disguise Toast spent on his team? By the way, he was talking about it being like upwards of five k per player. Uh, per month, per 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 month, yeah. That's why my man is—he's uh, putting up some coin to get steel in in ascension. Uh. It was pretty crazy, but they they uh, made it through this first round of the qualifier. Four teams made it through, and they were looking strong. It's like the the disguise team is a lot of the old knights guys with Ziff, Gangsta, and Exalt, and then Steel is in as the IGL. And knights never really had a great IGL previously, or for a while they didn't really have one after Frosty left. Um, and so Steel is in there, and then they have Clear, who's like a nasty upcoming yeah. player. Um, and this is really their first big opportunity on a on a solid team. But yeah, Disguise made it through. 
And it was quite entertaining watching these games and, and, and from Disguise Host POV. It was very hyped and excited. And I feel them. It, yeah. it brought me back. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to make this about me, but it just <laughs> because I, when I had my tier, uh, my tier two CS team with like Nismo and them, yeah, yeah. I was doing the same. I was watching those games on my stream to like a hundred people. Yeah. But I was fucking pogging out of control. Same vibes, it so yeah. It, it's, yeah. So I, I, I just, I, f I feel them on the emotional element. It was bringing me back. I could feel the emotions he was feeling, Brent. That's fucking dope though. It yeah. was, uh, it was very cool to see them make it through and, and be, uh, a strong team. They look like a, a real contender. Yeah, definitely. I think fan favorites alongside like the nation in terms of just the amount of people that are going to be following them um, as they go deeper. It would be very cool to see them make it all the way, right? Because they still got matches to be played in LCQ. Is that correct? No, uh, she is made no. it all the no, way. No, they, they, they're 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 right? Yeah, they're just waiting for yeah. uh, the actual group yeah. to start. Yeah. I wonder, are they going to make a new logo before... I hope they don't. No. ...official no, challenges why? begins? They why would they? <laughs> Do you just think they're just going to rock with the same logo? Yeah. The disguised toast made in MS Paint because he didn't have time. Yeah, I think yeah. it's sweet. I think it's... You think it's endearing? Gonna... Yeah. What is there, no, it's what like, would the real logo be? A piece of a bread, a loaf of bread, <laughs> like it's yeah, it'd just be like a slice of bread with a mask on it or something. Slice of bread, Zorro mask. There you go. Or slice of bread with the Groucho Marx kind of. Thing you just on. want disguise yeah, host logo I mean, as the logo. Why not? Why wouldn't you I, use that? That's no, brand I think awareness. Something a little bit more. I mean, I, I don't know. I like the MS Paint look because it, it gives a very grassroots feel as they head and compete for ascension. I think it's but they're funny. not really a grassroots team. I mean, they are obviously they are, but it's not like they are a team out of nowhere that aren't being paid that are amateur players or stuff. You know that you've got a you've got Steel on there that's a a very that's, very well known that's player right there. And then I like, that. Uh, I like this. The, this. Yeah, this you like nice. that. You just yeah, think this they is stick nice. That. This okay. is all right. It's fair down enough, to earth, you know. It's 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 down yeah. to earth. If they just sold a blank white T-shirt with just that printed on it on the front, that would actually be kind of. I fire. would buy it. I'm not gonna lie. That'd be yeah, that'd sorry. Be a nice blank oversized white, tee. but with an with a yellow square yes. on it. You wouldn't even sell the 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 T-shirt. Wouldn't even be the yellow background color. The T-shirt is white. Yeah. I think that would be fire. You just lean into the whole, like... It's very ironic. Yeah, you lean yeah, into the ironic I like, moment. I like that. I think that would be is, sweet. Ball, for the audio listeners, is he's hitting his microphone with his head. <laughs> he's trying to knock himself out right now. <laughs> you that don't have anything to sell. contribute to this one, Bala? Any, any I got nothing, bro. We're talking about disguise? logos now. Oh, my God. No, we're talking about disguise <laughs> team. We're talking... Oh, okay. Give me a take on the roster... And their performance, and where do you think they might go next? Uh, I honestly, I was, I was better than I expected. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect them to qualify for a try. Um, I have been kind of losing faith in Steel, but maybe that was just because of T1. So, um, pretty good surprise. Didn't watch their games as well as I should because I was traveling. What else do you want me to say? That's cool all team. I needed. Yeah, nice. I, I I like the team, and I like I, I like the role that Exalt is in. I, I think he's playing yes. really well right now because he was playing a, a while ago. He was playing Duelist, and I thought he was a really mechanically skilled player that was one dimensional. And then he started playing Initiator with Knights, I believe. But that team was kind of haphazard, and I don't think they really had a strong IGL or vision when he was on that team. And now his Initiator play with this team is really strong. Um, so I, I feel like these are some good pieces for Steel. to. It's, it's like the same formula as T1. I think the pieces are just better. 
you get yeah. the grizzled vet IGL around some talent, but I just don't think the talent on T1 was really that talented. But I think these they had, guys they had a lot better. They had a couple people. Where I'm like, oh shit, like this is gonna be nice, but yeah, it didn't like all the all of the pieces weren't like in, insane. It was like remnants of old teams or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it didn't ever really make coherent sense as a as a whole. Whereas this this does. It feels like a steel led team that is you know um, bringing up some up and coming players. That's like the entire identity. Yeah, I'm um, I'm liking it. I'm I'm liking the roster. Uh, I also uh, we can. I mean, we're just gonna keep talking about the. Uh, and a qualifiers here because the LCQ is underway right now. They played like the first day yesterday as this is airing. The, the second day will be played after this episode. And there are going to be two more teams that qualify. Will the nation be one of them? Oh. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about the nation uh, because they almost qualified in the first mm -hmm. round. Lost in, in the final decider match. This is so sad. Now they're back playing the LCQ, but were they going to play the LCQ? Was Stewie 2K going to leave? Why, what, what is going why on? Why was that a rumor? Uh, because Rossi he said it. Because he said it on his stream. No, he said it on stream. He said it on stream as well. Yeah, he said, <laughs> "Oh, I might not play in LCQ or something." And then Rossi tweeted it. I think just joking about it. Yeah, he said, "Stu then, not playing LCQ, didn't qualify, and stubbed my toe." Good morning. Damn, With that's a picture a of morning. a sad Michael B. Jordan after uh, Lori Harvey left him. This is so sad. But yeah, uh, but I don't know why Stewie would say that on his stream. I mean, I don't think from the clip that I watched, it didn't seem to be a joke. I, I don't know. Maybe Stewie just didn't understand what was going on or something. I don't know. He seemed out of the loop when he was talking about it on the stream. Yeah, but did he just but not know how it works? I don't know. The format is confusing, so maybe is, he just didn't yeah. get it. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. But they seem like they are, I would say, favorites, I think, out of the for the two possible spots what what is this the, uh, well, let me read so this is this is how this is this is Stewie's official response <laughs> he said i'll be playing an lcq with the nation calm down <laughs> tapped into r val for the first time <laughs> tapped into it for tapped the into it. tapped into it for the tapped first time it. this is the first time, <laughs> the first time. <laughs> <laughs> tapped into r val for the first time and the amount of judging skip bayless critics out there he's talking about you josh he's subtweeting you right now by the way <laughs> <laughs> didn't say a word about him never his name has never been in my mouth you better no, keep it out no, come you on better keep his you name out of your fucking mouth you are the Skip Bayless critic. That is yeah. that, that's you, buddy. That's not you. Me. <laughs> what what did he say at the end of the crit? Uh just throwing judging stupidity. Skip Bayless critics out there, just throwing stupidity in the comment. He's definitely talking about Josh. <laughs> and then he put the crying laughing emoji. Yeah, that is okay. a boomer so, emoji. If you actually let me remind y'all that I committed with Brax to create a team not knowing jack shit about the Val scene to at least make an attempt for Ascension. So calm down. No one likes a Skip Bayless on Reddit <laughs> spewing whatever you think in your tiny brain is valid. He's talking what to an you. Out, what an outrageously defensive comment when you admit that you started a team for Ascension without even knowing what the scene looked like. That's just moronic to begin with. Why would you start? Why would you go so goes. fucking there hard? There's Skip Bayless, motherfucker. <laughs> we got the beef. We got the beef. There's Skip. There's Skip. <laughs> By the way, the R Val... I mean, the, 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 dude... The, <laughs> the r slash valorant like the actual valorant subreddit 
obviously not what he was talking about. He's talking about Valorant competitive. But I just thought for a second, I thought, I wonder if anyone has any idea what's going on on the R Valorant subreddit. So I looked at the top from this week, which that was on the 14th. It would come in there. You just got a clip of Chamber, a clip of Yoru, a clip of Sage, a clip of Omen, a clip of playing Marshall, um, something telling people that they need to remake, uh, how to counter Killjoy's, Killjoy's lockdown with Phoenix. Then you have the first thing that makes that it's anything to do with esports that is Riot Games exposing the truth, which was Slime with a fucking shirt on his head talking to the devs <laughs> during the Ludwig <laughs> Tarek thing, which isn't even to do with esports. I mean... The, yeah, there's there's no there's nobody on the R slash Valorant subreddit that knows who Skip Bayless is. Never mind knows who Stewie Two K is. They're, they're out of touch. R slash Valorant's out of touch, bro. I don't know what the fuck. They don't know all of the juicy drama that they could be tapping into. Can you imagine the clout that they could farm? And instead, they're just posting Yoru clips. Man, there's juice here. There's drama here. <laughs> what is going on? Um, what is, wait, what is this? What is this? Headset kid, new agent. I saw this I kid wearing saw. his headset the wrong way, but still looks good. So I made an agent out of it. What? Oh what the hell? It was actually Why was fire. the child wearing his headset like that, though? <laughs> because does bro, he, he think he to has like to Bane. speak into one side of it, like know. it's his mic? It's Bane. It <laughs> 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 really is. I mean, that is such a Reddit post. But yeah, all right, we're going. We guys, talking about? we're losing the plot. Yes. Do you think? How do you feel about the nation? Are, are they, they destined are to implode? Yeah. I mean, yeah, are they? Right. Yeah, but they'll probably, the they'll probably qualify before they do and just fuck they're, the entire They're going to qualify, and then Brax is going to go to TSM and get put on the bench, and then Wardell's going <laughs> to, I don't know, not fly to the boot camp. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making shit up. But in general, yeah. the it's a free agent team that looks pretty good right now, but also doesn't have really, like, the roots together. I mean, maybe they're good friends, but like, it's not like they have a coaching staff. It's not like they have this. It's not like they have that. They're not making any salary. Like, of course, one of the, one or two or three of these players is going to get poached eventually, and mm -hmm. it's going to break up the team. Uh, it's like it's it's written in the stars. A hundred percent destined to implode. All right, Bolo just gave you the facts. Say say less, King. Um, let's do our predictions for this this qualifier and see if we have the nation going through. <laughs> <laughs> let's. We we've all picked are two teams that are going to make it through the NALCQ. Who do we got? Do we want to do one at a time, Kurt, or just... Okay, I just oh. I forgot how this works. It's been a while since we predicted teams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Josh has picked... I love that the logo for the nation is just Wardell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wardell's head. So Josh has picked the nation and NSIC. I've picked OR Esports and NSIC. Bren has gone with Wardell and a question mark. Yeah. What team is that? I said I haven't been watching okay. the qualifiers to Kurt, but the nation will probably make it through, and I don't know what the second team will be. <laughs> okay, so Bren only <laughs> picks one team. I've picked one team. Only picked the nation, and Bala has picked the nation and OR Esports. Okay. That. So we've actually, we've, we've all kind of gone with, with similar teams here th yeah i thought it might have been a bit more wild and a bit more crazy than than this but it's actually not particularly wild nor is it crazy well i feel like somehow yeah. i i feel like there's going to be some kind of nation implosion the nation will go its separate ways <laughs> at some point what I is think, this prophecy like, that everybody is seeing i don't is know it, i just is it just because it's in the tea leaves the know, vibes Brian. are bad the vibes tea? are bad I'm just, the vibes the are vibes aren't, they're not vibing so uh. i, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not going with them. I still think yeah. NSIC have they've very good players, 
good talent. The teams that they lost to in the first qualifier were both teams that qualified. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're a strong team. ORE Sports as well. I think they they, they lost to uh, the team with like con artists in them. I forget their name. They didn't qualify. Silk Road. Yeah, Silk Road. Um, and I know they lost to one of the teams that did qualify as well. Oxygen. True. Right. Thank you. But, um, but that's another team that I, I really respect the, the, the talent, some of the upcoming players on that team a lot with uh, like Zeldris, Jonah, Six. Yeah. I think those guys are really good. I, I, I've, uh, I have confidence in those guys. So that's who I've gone with. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking, Josh? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that for both of the teams, uh, both of the teams that I picked ended up, I believe, going out to teams that qualified. Um, and I think the nation just have a lot of decent talent that's just been strung together. And I feel like the perfect thing that they're going to do is the same mark that you're describing, Bala, where they, they qualify and then explode. And then they've just kind of wasted a spot that other people could have potentially used. I don't know how they're even going to deal with that, actually. There's got to be some kind of system in place, but I don't know what like the system is. How they is. are going to deal with that. Like, it's already going to happen. Like, it is <laughs> well, set no, no. in stone. I mean, everyone is seeing this. Dude, what? You've got to put some kind of protocol in place in case teams yeah, disband, you do, though, because you you're going to have amateur teams involved in challenges. So I don't know what the protocol is, and that's maybe going to have to be something that, uh, you know, is new to Valorant. Maybe mm. they boost someone else up, but the team, the other teams might have disbanded at that point because it logs you out for basically the whole year. I don't know how they're going to deal with it. I assume they'll just get forfeit wins against the team. Right, which that would, that would suck. But for, for NSIC as well, like, I like the group of players that's there. I think that Odorous is a pretty decent player. When I've seen them before, their results looked fairly good. Um, they actually play against each other before they qualify as well. So one of these... Uh, you know, one of these teams will nece uh, necessarily knock the other to the lower bracket in the upper semifinals of LCQ. Um, so that game's happening on my my time. It's Mark. January 20th, but I guess that's actually January 19th American time, is it? Yep, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it looks like there's going to be some decent matches, though, once you get to that level of the tournament. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's uh, there's a number of really good teams. Rat Attack made it really far. That was like the former um, Moon, uh, the former MR team, like with uh, Temperature and some of those guys too. They look pretty good, surprising um, a lot of people. I think um, my uh, fuck Silk Road is still in here. Uh, Or Esports has like, in my opinion, some of the most nasty up and comers, and like Nilyaz and um, Zaldris, and even some of the guys from last year who. We're getting picked up by like teams like Anbox and stuff like that, like Lear and Jonah Six. Like those guys, all very, very good, and they just haven't really found the place to make it to challengers yet. And I think that they they should be in there. So um, I expect them to make it. Yeah, for sure. Also, the uh, team that's rumored to be the Exet Game Changers team with Bob and Katzman Rise and some other people. Their name right now was like. Boombalarmbalinas or something. Riri <laughs> like, Bonobsumi or whatever. But they, uh, oh, there it is. Riri Bonobsumi. And they, they beat uh, the Team Fish Taco, which was that team with King Vinny and like some of the oh, demons shit. that were playing against Disguise that took a map off them in the last qualifier. Yeah. Demons. So they, uh, they were demons. They were Dude, demons. King, Vinny, King, King Vinny. Vinny was going crazy. But uh, yeah, they beat that team to, to make it into the, the round of 32. So that's a pretty nice... Dub there in this qualifier, uh, I think it's them and Complexity are the two GC teams that are still in the running 
I believe, in the top 32. I think complexity. I don't know this off the. I don't know if this off the top of my head. I wonder if uh, any of you do. What is the deepest that a game changer team has gone in like uh, an open competition? Do, do you know? Oh, is it top 32? Is it top 32? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Cloudheim White made it there like almost every time. Uh, I think Shopify's made it there once, but both of them I think have dropped out already. And yeah, they probably both their their, their earliest teams. exits so far. Yeah, pretty like, unfortunate. They both, both got knocked out. But, but what was that? Who was that game against? Sorry, Kurt, the exit one. They uh, the team with Cat and them. I just wanted to see who they were playing in their bracket. See what it. See what, No, no, no. Like uh, who they're going to play against? Sorry, they're playing Rat Attack. Up. Are they are playing Rat Attack. Gotcha. Yeah, kind of unlucky. <laughs> yeah, that, that team's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, possibly doable, dude. Temp- I'm not gonna go on a random ass temperature rant, but that dude is Nolan Pepper. Nolan Pepper has gotten the short again. end of the stick. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that dude's good. Um, all right, that's everything. It's time for the vlog. Oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that at all. I, didn't know I was not ready for that. When you said lock it up, I was like, what? what? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I think we already did that. Uh, all right. Weekly award time. Let's, let's cook. This new update rules. Uh, uh, you guys have been cooking. Oh, Wait, hold on. some new ones. Huh? Yeah, cooking. we got a few new ones. Look at this little, this award little guy kind of sucks. What, what is that guy? Is he he's, curling? He's playing billiards, I think. Oh. I want to say he's playing cane. billiards. But it's, bent. but it's broken. Well, it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. bent purposefully. Yeah. Um, I done that. Yeah, I, I thought long and hard about who should get this award. Like, ooh, should it be Trent? He was the MVP. But then we gave him the MVP anyway. Um, so I'm going to give it to uh, well-known Overwatch player, Jake, because he's looking absolutely <laughs> solid and shredded. <laughs> I saw this came across the timeline like, damn. He even hit him, the the, he hit him with the tongue-out emoji in the, no, in the, in the description. Jake. Jake was yeah, feeling absolutely. himself that morning. Bro, I'm telling you. Dude, I, he's looking good. He's, he's looking, looking good. fucking I shredded. In, uh, in Korea, actually. Oh, really? He went over Did to I Korea for Jake. a holiday. Yeah, I, I it, was, it was a good time hanging out with him. He was, uh, he was there when it was... Um, the USA game versus I can't remember who it was. Who did, who did the USA play in? Like, was it the Netherlands? Netherlands yeah. in the bracket. Maybe? I think it was yeah. the Netherlands game. We were watching that live, and he was just he was enjoying how upset I was that America was losing, the USA was losing because the we because England drew against the USA, and, and, right. and I'm not going to get into it. Please don't show the Harry Kane penalty. The um, <laughs> the, the I I don't want to I don't want to see that. But yeah, I was hanging out with him. He's a you know he's just living his best life. He's out there. I mean, I yeah. don't know if he's on demon time yet, but. I mean, the guy, the guy is like, he's just like, he's a little, you know, he's like a little, little dreamboat package for any like <laughs> Korean women out there. So like, I mean, listen, I'm telling you, the he guy was attracting, he was attracting package. a lot of attention in Korea. I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. yeah. Dude, right, he's, so look, he's looking good. Does he have, does he have any interest in moving to Valorant? Because he might be my top 19 player, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, dude, get Carpe's ass out of here. Dude, was play- Jake was playing in the beta. He was remember playing in the beta. He- dude, I remember I he was getting some clips. he was game, though. No, nah, he was getting some clips. He's an, he's an honest-to-God yeah. FPS, or arena, arena FPS, FPS gamer. My kind of guy. Um, <laughs> an honest player. What a interesting turn towards the what, end of the episode. What do you mean? Just, just shirtless Jake. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's been working hard yeah. and he deserves sure. some credit. Yeah. You know, you know that man's been grinding. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you all for watching episode 120. We will see you back next week, episode 121. Maybe we'll get into like uh, talking about the bracket maybe more pick-ums. in depth, you know. Maybe. LCQ, maybe pick-ums. pick-ums. I don't know. We'll see what's yeah. we'll see what's going on. Maybe there'll be some more drama. You know, maybe we'll get a response from the CEO and a little tar will say something <laughs> else. I don't know. Uh, you'll just have to see and tune in next week. Thank you all for watching. Bye. Bye.